Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the number for you to call to bring up whatever's on your mind. 603-283-6160. You can call in with any topic you want. It doesn't have to be what we're talking about. Or you can comment on what we're saying. Tell us you vehemently disagree. It doesn't matter. It's Free Talk Live. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Elspeth. And Jay Noon. Yep, we have a new... Um, host with us tonight it's my sister elsbeth so she hasn't been on before so uh please don't be mean to her <laughs> i'm just kidding well welcome to the show oh thank good you. to have you they're not too mean um so we wanted to start off talking about this shooter in maine jay has some things he wants to say about it we have this article um from Timcast that just basically uh, gives a rundown of what happened for anybody who hasn't heard it's kind of um a bigger news than more most um shootings to to us because it only happened three hours away from us and um you know we know people that happen to know this person maybe not exactly or um maybe you know different degrees of knowing him like someone's cousin knew him or something like that um and also it's a little interesting to me because of the fact that this guy um was admittedly crazy and he was a messed up like ptsd having veteran and that's really sad that that happens to people it's terrible people join the military and they get in wars and they get ptsd because you know government wars and um it's terrible but it it just doesn't surprise me that somebody who had an issue like that um checks himself into mental institutions might uh you know become a shooter so I don't know what the number is today, but years ago and, you know, 10, 12 years ago, as Adam Kokesh was talking a lot about, you know, the uh, problems with the military, he did a lot of like uh, counter um, recruiting. He would go to these recruit recruitment places and That's he'd be great. like, tell, tell kids, hey, listen, um, you know, you don't want to go into the military. You're just going to be there fighting rich man's wars. You know, you just all, all the stuff that he like did in Iraq and it was like the P and the and when you have PTSD, uh, they, you know, Adam Kokesh talks about how, uh, you know, three out of the five meds that they put them on the side effects for suicide. And, wow. you know, these are these SSRIs. Maybe somebody could, could look up real quick what SSRI stands for. It's I forget. serotonin. Uh, I don't know why it's two S's. It's serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Okay. Um, I don't remember what the why there's two S's. There's probably a missing a letter, but it basically makes it to where your brain is filled with serotonin instead of um instead of lack of serotonin <laughs> yeah instead of having a lack of it yeah, yeah it's selective serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitor okay inhibitor. all right selective so anyways uh yeah and the thing is is this is just like you know so back then it was like 12 years ago it was something like 18 or 22 veterans a day were committing suicide wow. in in the united states of america and I was having a conversation with somebody today, and they told me 25. And another guy, yesterday, we were just talking about veterans or whatever, and he's like, yeah, it's almost 30. I don't know what it is right now, but there's all different reports. But one thing I can say is a lot of guys that go into the military, 
uh, and they go do these things over in Afghanistan. And, you know, let's face it, Afghanistan, basically all Afghanistan was, was a really convenient place for the American government, the CIA, the DEA to basically take over some land and uh, extract a whole bunch of, bunch of minerals called lithium, but also to grow tons of opium or yep. to grow poppy to create opium. It was, and you can go newspaper article after newspaper article how the heroin output increased like 10,000% or 8,000% as soon as Afghanistan became occupied. So, and this is also getting a little conspiracy on my um, end, but they left a whole bunch of crazy weapons there, like a, a huge amount of weapons yep. there. And a lot of people are saying those just went straight to Hamas and directly impacted them being able to attack Israel. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the whole Hamas Israel thing, as far as I'm concerned, is just another inside job. You know, there was a border conveniently closed up, right. uh, you know, um, and of course, the higher ups in the Israeli government, you know, and the higher ups in all of the governments want this war. Uh, you know, yep. the military industrial complex wants this stuff. And the best way to arm and uh, and and even like uh, the, um, the the whole thing was weapons of mass destruction. When I you know thirty years ago, I'm forty four years old now, but I was a teenager, young teenager, with the whole Gulf War situation happening. Hmm. Started in like the ninety early ninety or eighty nine, and it was like, oh, these guys got weapons of mass dest- mass destruction. And well, how do we know we have them? Well, we sold them to them, or you know, we 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 armed. Uh, you know, basically everybody that America arms. A decade later or, you know, a half a decade later, they become some kind of enemy or, you know, shortly after these weapons are, are showing up. But the thing is, is when these guys go serve in a military and like, you know, one of my best friends, special forces, he was in Afghanistan and his job was to basically go and they would give a name and identification of some farmer who re- who refused to grow poppy, who refused to be part of the opium, you know, the heroin trade. Wow. And because the, these guys wanted to grow wheat, or they wanted to grow, you know, some kind of some kind of food or grain or whatever. And, and Afghanistan is like a very, very fertile place to head. Uh, he's got pictures of all kinds of these like um, very high end irrigation systems. Like everything was top notch. Hmm. And the the farmers that didn't comply, though, they were considered, they were the ones that were called terrorists. And all those people in Afghanistan were doing was just fighting an, an, an invading force. And so basically yeah. the U S goes in there, destroys the place, makes a whole, creates a whole bunch of, you know, fatherless children, uh, wreaks havoc. There's depleted uranium probably everywhere. I know it was a big thing in Afghanistan. I mean, uh, Iraq. Iraq there was a half a million children killed. And the thing with uh, getting to uh, with um, you know uh, Palestine, basically the average age of the past Palestinian, from what I understand, is 17 years old. And there's like wow. 2.3 million people there. So there's like a million children uh, that they're basically looking at genocide. Uh, you know, best I can tell. And you know. All these governments are bad. Like all these people want to, you know, defend Israel, and you know that's that's horrible. These people in Israel have gotten attacked, and they should be looking at their own government, just the same way the people who were in the uh, twin towers when they got, you know, murdered on nine eleven. They should be looking at, you know, the U.S. government and its involvement in it. And there's just so much evidence that you know NORAD was down, this thing was down, this thing wasn't working. It just goes back and forth, and we're, we're hearing all kinds of stuff about. The most secure border in the world, this, you know, five mile border, Gaza, Gaza uh, and Israel, and everybody went, you know, home for seven or eight hours and like the, you know, and these people come in with, you know, U.S. <laughs> munitions and, you know, on, um you know, uh, this kamikaze mission basically is what it was. These, uh pa- you know, Palestinians, and I put that in quotes because we don't know who they are. Right. You know, these guys... <clears throat> Um, but, you know, I've been studying a lot of like child psychology for the past couple of years. I'm writing this uh, invest in our posterity, um, you know, lecture series. And I'm telling people, you know, we got to 
stop creating al- algorithmic slaves, get our kids off internet devices. And if you look at what the Palestinian, uh, Palestinian has been going through for their entire lives, that's 20 years old. The average Palestinian is 18 years old, basically. So their entire lives, these guys know nothing but war and mayhem. I mean, yeah. it is an asshole over there. And it is an asshole um, for many, many, many reasons. Um, and, you know, for why are those people there? I don't even know. Like, right. And why are the Israelis there? A lot there? of them are trapped there, which is so weird. That's what it seems like. That, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I've never been there, so I really don't know. Max there, Egan. They have borders on all sides of this uh, small area that is Gaza. And now that the bombing happened, they are definitely trapped there. But even before then, it was very difficult to immigrate out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's about impossible to leave Gaza. Um, for years, I've been seeing footage and videos of, you know, kids throwing rocks at tanks and IDF soldiers, you know, in full combat, you know, with, you know, the, the latest and greatest weapons and technology, you know, mostly thanks to the United States and, you know, European right, the United you know, States, money. And every politician seems to think it's like really important to give a bunch of money to Israel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So even before this. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's always been a thing. So Israel is like the fifth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. And or 15th, I might have that number wrong, but that the amount of I remember 20 some odd years ago studying this that Israel is getting like 15 billion dollars a year in financial aid, like years ago, maybe 15 years ago, but it was like 15 billion dollars. And what is financial aid? Financial aid is when you steal uh, money from the people of a wealthy nation and you know the poor people of a wealthy nation and then you just then you give it to rich people of a poor poorer nation and you know the united states of america obviously has more wealth than israel from what i can tell or did back then i don't i, I assume that's true i guess if you take the at debt to asset ratio of the united states corporation they're really not wealthy because they have 30 what three trillion dollars almost oh, in debt mm-hmm. uh and it's just going up and up and up and so uh, you know, if a guy lives in a big, you know, two hundred million dollar mansion, but he has, you know, three hundred million dollar note on it, is he really wealthy? Right. <laughs> you know, versus the guy that lives in a hundred thousand dollar house and owes twenty thousand on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And doesn't have a bunch of debt for a bunch of yachts and toys yeah. or whatever. But, well, um, as far as the um mental health of soldiers goes, one thing I thought was so crazy is my little brother, he's in the Air Force. He has a night shift, like he works at night, um, on helicopters and stuff like that he does something where he um works on the mechanics of helicopters and stuff and um he's just in the united states he's not um like in a war or anything he works at night he went to the nurse lady telling him her i seriously can't um get myself to sleep in the daytime when i'm supposed to be sleeping i need like a a drug to help me sleep she prescribed him something he starts taking it and it was antidepressants Mm -hmm. he said that that's what they just give everyone so he stopped taking it yeah, but I mean, why would you get antidepressants for not being able to sleep? Uh, because they love pushing that stuff. It right. makes good money. You know, there's uh, the psychiatrists and all those people involved. They're it all makes so much paid. sense that you would give a drug like that to people in the military, and that they would really want people in the military to have that. Because if you are a psychopath, which these things basically make people psychopaths, there's all these side effects, and even the, the effect that it's supposed to have, it, making you numb, basically. It's not that it just gives you a bunch of serotonin. You're like, oh, I'm on happy pills and I'm crazy happy. It's it, it it makes it to where you're numb, basically. Like normal things that make people excited will make you like, oh, OK, whatever. But you're not, oh, but at least I'm not depressed. Um, anyways, uh, it so, makes sense that that makes people psychopaths to just not really care. And, yeah. and we can totally direct people like especially from a young age. So if you look at, let's say, a Palestinian right now that's 22 years old. 
And if you go backwards in time, 25 years, let's say, what Palestinian, Palestine has been dealing with, it's been chaos like for 50 years over there. It's been major yep. chaos for the last 25 years. There's always like something's going on. There's always bombings. There's like, I guess the uh, Israeli, what's IDF, Israeli Defense Force, yep. uh, patrols all over Palestine. And like you have to have like, you know, there's always checkpoints to go through. You can't go more than a couple blocks. Oh my God. So there's a major grip on that country. Um, and and the thing is, with what I've been studying, if you really want to, you know, if you have the ability to have the attention of a child for, you know, 15 years and do whatever you want to them, you could totally make, you know, kamikaze suicide soldiers out of the average Psychopaths, kid. Yeah. yeah, you could totally bre- create them to do that. You could morph them. Now they have these technologies. They got like all these drugs that they use and these antidepressants and what we understand about the brain. And now we have AI literally programming you know, the fact that so many young ladies, uh, you know, good looking, you know, young 20 something year old women like literally can't find a boyfriend hmm. because the boys, especially in Japan, are not interested in, 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 in women because their sexual desire has been programmed essentially by the Internet for that of whatever they, out there on the Internet and AI like AI is going to I believe AI is going to you know drive men crazy. So we have all this technology that can program people with. And I just. You know, like these people who like got in these, you know, little, I don't know what you call the little plane things that they drove over in or, or flew over it over the border. The Hamas uh, people. Yeah, I don't know what um, they had, had yeah, or what they used. They're, they're, you see them flying around. Uh, they got like um, what, what I understand is the ones with a parachute and they got like a little motor. They're like, um, <clears throat> I've, I, ne- I've never seen it. Honestly, I, I didn't know anything yeah, about that. that. But anyways, they, they, they did a kamikaze mission across the border. They flew Whoa. in these like basically things that like a motorcycle engine on it and, mm-hmm. and a blade and it's got a parachute and it flies and you can fly them a few hundred foot off the ground, maybe even a few thousand feet. I've hmm. seen people fly them now and then. Wow. Uh, and ultralights are called. Oh, uh, so, uh, so anyways, they, so they basically parachuted in on these ultralights, which like you could build for not much money or you can buy. They're pretty inexpensive. They're really easy to build. The most expensive thing is probably the parachute to come up with. And, you know, who were these guys? How old were they? What were their lives like? Who was programming them? Yeah. You know, just same thing with their shooter. You know, you know, who programmed him? You right. know, you know, what's his deal? You know, yeah. well, we, as we just learned, he was in the military. So he was obviously programmed by the United States military to become a psychopath and to have sounds like it be an order follower and to have no, um, you know, personality of his own. And then he also checked himself into a mental institution just last uh, summer, apparently, according to the Internet. Who was the guy that uh, you were saying was going around to the uh, the schools and like telling kids, hey, don't sign up? His name is Adam Kokesh. He does a show called he used to do a show called Adam versus the man. And he's really cool. One thing that was great that he was doing was um, getting vets with PTSD to take mushrooms. Right. He was healing people. I was just going to say, what if he was, you know, taking mushrooms before all that? happened no, he did not it. like that made him like go crazy but like what if that could have helped him and prevented all oh that? yeah that guy if if he went to some place where adam kokesh was you know preaching to him about freedom and peace and giving him mushrooms he'd probably be not shooting people but instead he went to a regular doctor probably and got probably ssris for all we know so so a friend of mine sent me this message today and uh says apparently my dad was hunting not far f- from there Talking about in Maine, about Lewiston, Maine, and his friends know the guy. He has a twin brother, I guess. Hmm. Supposedly, he's a convicted pedophile, an army ranger, and mentally out of it. 
also said that there were unmarked cruisers on the property, the family property, talking about this, the, the shooter's family property, before he went on his killing spree. Wow. And uh, they, like, what he were also, they doing there at his house? Yeah, before it even happened. Not who knows? Him. I mean, you know, the 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 government is always looking to in, you know incite and create reasons to you know panic and scare and scare people and get you know get the uh, all the gun grabbers all riled up. You know, and and the real solution is this: is there is too bad there wasn't some armed people inside that I mall know. inside that area, or maybe they were and they just you know fled. I mean. If I hear shots going off and, you know, I'm right next to a door and I got my wife and kids with me and I carry all the time, um, probably just going to just walk away at my right. wife and kids. Um, right. I'm not looking to go die. Yeah. Um, Be a hero. And uh, but if like, you know, if the guy came in my direction or was, you know, put me in a corner or put you know, I wasn't a, an exit, you know, then I would have to, you know, do something about it. But You'd be able to. But another another problem with Maine is uh, and I didn't notice until I just read some messages, but Maine is like a uh, that you have to retreat. Right, I didn't know that either. I was I was wondering when I first started hearing about a shooting there. I was thinking you don't really hear about shootings in Maine very often, at least not like mass shooting like this. I think twelve people died, or it says dozens died. Um, but anyways, um, I I started thinking, do they have good gun laws? I honestly didn't know, but it it the. Duty to retreat is one of the stupidest laws. It's just yeah, that's like, like New oh, Jersey, yeah. New York hmm. City kind of stuff. And yeah. so, so one of the things with Maine, and I was just up in Maine a few weeks ago, and I open carried everywhere, like like mm, like nice. I do here in New Hampshire and in Vermont. And uh, they, so you can open carry, you can conceal carry. They essentially have constitutional carry, but there's a whole bunch of restrictions. Like you can't carry in an establishment that serves alcohol. You can't carry in this type of establishment and that type. I, I don't know the whole list, but a guy kind of rattled them off to me. So like uh, New Hampshire ha- has one of the best because New Hampshire doesn't have any of those, you know, restrictions. But I wonder, was this mall a gun-free zone? Hmm. Because we know that like 97% of uh, mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. We also know that something like, I don't know if it's the same amount of percent of gun sh- uh, ma- mass shootings are, are by someone who is on an SSRI. Yep. Um, and it, it just wouldn't surprise me at all if this guy was this from Tim cast. It says that NBC's because <clears throat> if, if you don't know it, we're talking about it all just a little bit of info about what happened at the shooting. It said NBC cited a police source who said at least 22 people had been killed with another 50 to 60 people injured in the shootings. And um, the Associated Press reported that at least 10 people were killed. Um, Maine State Police issued an alert around 8.25 p.m. warning of an active shooter in Lewiston, the state's lar- or second largest city. Authorities advised residents to remain in their homes with the doors locked. And um, the police issued a photo of a suspect who was wearing navy cargo pants, a brown hoodie, and tan boots. It's just like, whenever people are military and they like, you know, he's been out of the military for a few years and he's walking around looking like a military guy. There's unmarked police cruisers at his house. He checked himself into a military, I mean, into a um, mental health facility just a few months ago. It just screams of inside job to me. Yeah, especially that the cars were there before it even happened. Right. It's like last night, Elswith and I heard of this um, story that happened in the early 1900s in Iowa um, do you I think know, it was like 1912 or something like that. Yeah, um, th- this axe murder happened in this town in Iowa where there was literally never a murder before. They went in and killed eight people, like six of them were kids. And um, 
what we found out about that that was interesting is the government had been having a fight with the power company, so they had turned off all of the lights in the city just that night. And it, it, there's just always little things like that I, that make me think the government's involved with mass shootings because uh, that this was an axe murder. But um, it just... I, it would totally make sense for them to be involved with mass shootings, even if you're like, why random kids and their parents? Because they want you to be afraid, so that way right. you think that you need them. So is there powerful people that will stop at nothing to accumulate more wealth and more power? Yes. So, okay, so those exist. <laughs> uh, is there powerful people who want, want want the citizenry to be fear, to, to, to you know, be afeared, as it Ernie would, would say? Them. Is there powerful people that want to disarm the common people in America? And that would benefit them too. Yes. So, so do we have? Do, do we each know somebody who could probably be coerced, uh, especially if they started working with them at a young age, to be some kind of psychopath uh, to go do something like this? Absolutely. I think almost anybody would if you got them from the ages of zero to six years old. Yeah, I but, was going to say. But I can think of people like I grew up with that were like super gullible and you know got into drugs and got themselves into trouble and you know could be. Um, you know, sort of uh, put into this position. But we know that there is mind control technology, mind altering drugs. We know that there is all kinds of ways to get into people's heads. And with data mining and AI, I'm sure the algorithm and algorithm and AI kind of refer to them as the same entity. uh, I'm sure the algorithm knows who the pedophiles are before the pedophiles even know they're pedophiles based just on their metadata. Hmm. Uh, So if you, you know, know somebody that is tweaked and uh, can, if, so if if those people are out there that are crazy enough that are researching this stuff on the internet, the internet knows about it. The algorithm knows about it. Uh, and are there people within the CIA that want to like you know help make these things happen? I mean, what was the line from uh, V for Vendetta? Show them why they need us. Oh. Create this you know um, havoc. Create you know. And so this is where they you know release like these terrible things and allow these bad things to happen so they can you know show government government needs needs to start showing people why they need the government. And so. I believe this is one of those situations again. I believe it is too, especially when you think of Maine, New Hampshire. They're one of the safer states, um, and that's why it was kind of shocking when you hear about that. It's not like it's something that happens all the time. Like, sure, there was probably like regular murders that you just don't—they don't get reported. But mass shootings like this, where sixty-something people got injured, I feel like that's rare. They want to make—they have to work on this state to make it seem less safe. 603-283-6160 is the number to call with any of your opinions. 603-283-6160. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call to get in on this conversation. It's already a pretty interesting night tonight. Um, I've never been on the show, I don't think, ever with Janu now that I think of it. But I've talked to him a lot. Um, he definitely likes to talk. But I've never been on the show with him, so it's already very interesting. Um, in the studio with you tonight, you've got Bonnie. And Joa. And uh, Jay is here with us. He stepped aside to go take care of something really fast. But um, Elspeth stepped out. She was just covering for Joe until he got here. She, we may have her on more often, but um, we wanted to get Joe on to talk about today. He had a trial featuring a subpoena that didn't work, but may feature Don Bolduck in the future. Um, I'll fix that problem, though. And we're going to be talking about that. Um, Jay is back with us now. But I wanted to go to your phone calls and thoughts first. We have Ridley in New Hampshire. Ridley, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Uh, uh, Hamas and Israel, just kind of like everyone else is talking about. Uh, But you know what they're not talking about? Hardly anyone's mentioned this, and you guys may have before. But how much do you know about the extent to which the Israeli government disarms its own people? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they make them all join the military. Do they not let them have guns? Otherwise, they don't let them bring them home. You're, hmm. you're not allowed. You're not allowed to have a firearm in your possession without a license. Wow, uh, sounds like a safe place. Only, <laughs> only allowed to have, only allowed to have 50 rounds of ammunition, uh, according to those two things. According to the Times of Israel, which uh, recently took advantage of the massacre to publish an article about how great gun Israeli control. gun control is, wow. how awesome it is that they have gun control. Doesn't even right? make any sense. <clears throat> I mean, not that a gun, yeah. I don't know if a gun could really help someone flying in on a tricycle and uh, exploding themselves. I, I'm not sure how a gun could really help help you in that situation. Well, when you have a military as big as Israel per capita, right, if you want to add it per capita, I'm sure it's probably one of the biggest in the world per capita. Everyone right? has to join. It's very well funded. It's yeah, very well funded for sure. Um, I can see why, like, I'm not supporting gun control, but I can see, like, their argument in this and how you know, they trick people into having gun control. If, if anything, Ridley, you just gave Hamas some key tips here that there isn't a gun behind every blade of grass in Israel, <laughs> every sand dune or whatever, yeah, every sand strand. Um, well, you know, this thing, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Dave, Dave Ridley. But this, this thing keeps coming up, right? Uh, so we have a war in Ukraine because Ukrainians only, well, only 7% of them, only 7% of Ukrainian civilians had a firearm when that thing started. And the Ukrainian government sort of had a rush of brains to the head after the war started and loosened its gun laws. And the Israeli government is actually doing the same thing. But this is so much our business because every time one of these countries gets itself into in, gets itself into a war over, because it doesn't have guns uh, or it gets invaded because it doesn't have guns, right? Like in the hands of civilians, mm-hmm. uh, that drags the U.S. in, right? And, uh, um, and the, no one even, our president, no one, quote unquote, has already said that he is going to defend them and be on their side. He already sent billions of dollars to both sides. Well, I don't know if you call it both sides in this instance. It's Israel and Gaza, but not necessarily Hamas. Yeah, and, but no one even talks about this pretty much. Uh, this is there's that saying, you know, freedom's not free, but in a sense, freedom is free. All the government has to do is just stop spending money putting its own people in jail for trying to defend themselves. 
and the level of defense goes way up because you have suddenly you've got a firearm in every third house. I mean, that you look, you've seen the video from that rave, right? You know, where I don't know exactly how many people there were. Maybe let's say it was about 300 people at the rave. I, I couldn't tell for sure from the video. But there should have been 60 or 70 guns in people's pockets, at least. Where is this? And that should not have been a massacre. It should have been a shootout. Which rave? Well, there was a there's a music festival that uh, that Hamas attacked oh. three three miles yeah. three miles away from the Gaza border, and wow. so you had just huge numbers of Israeli people in this desert environment where it's very easy to tell who the enemy is, right? Because they were all wearing green, you know, green bandanas or whatever. Hmm. So it was super easy. To, it would be much easier than defending against a mass shooting, except for the large number of Hamas people. But you know, there, there should have been. I mean, those people, there's no reason for them to even run. They should have just all been on the deck uh, taking prone positions and unloading their firearms on these incoming... Yeah, they were easy targets. Five-mile-an-hour parachutes. You know, it would have been easy. So I haven't seen any videos, but, like, I've watched lots of ultralights fly. So basically, you could take one of these ultralights, bring it up, you know, sort of high and kind of, you know, glide it. You can, a lot of them, if the wind's like blowing away from you, you can't even hear them, uh, you know, because they're not super loud. And you can put mufflers on them, make them quiet. So, like, if you had uh, any kind of rifle, basically, you, if you had an open sight 22, you could probably pick these guys off pretty easy, you know, as they were, you know, coming down towards the ground. So, this but, is, it looks like this, like a little tiny plane? Uh, so, I'm thinking the one that has the parachute on it, the ultra light with the parachute. Um, I, I don't I of, really I don't I hadn't seen a picture or anything so whenever you guys were talking about this I was kind of imagining something like a tricycle that has like a glider yeah. on top so it's basically <laughs> a tricycle with a with a snowmobile engine hmm. and a big parachute are some of them some of them like the ones you just showed me a picture of have the wings they're a little more you know high performance they gotta go a little faster but these these parachute ones like they they can pretty much glide really slow just like, like a go-kart with a parachute go. on top yeah, oh that's wow it. Yep, i found that's it. it right there okay so that's terrifying what do they call that that says easy flight powered parachutes um all right yeah and i i actually when i when i first saw this like it was unbelievable right it says powered and parachutes that's what they call them here i just felt like right away false flag because oh, I yeah, was yeah. like, how can you just so easily do this? Like, well, he was saying um, before you got on, Joa, that um, the that's border the most was secure shut down. border in the world. And it got yeah. shut down. Like, everybody went home. Yeah, and here's what, the thing. What are is the odds? There's plenty of military in Israel to start seeing these things and be like, uh, yeah, it's not us. And they would show up on radar. And, and well, I feel unless like... they were maybe composite, they wouldn't. I guess you could make them sort of uh, ghost it's like, like listen to, the radar. to all of these examples at once and tell me it's not it, there's not a pattern. So the axe murder in 1912 in Iowa that I brought up last segment, the government just happened to turn all the power, the street lights out that night. And also this um, Hamas bombing in Israel, the government just so happened to take a break on the border that night. And then the sounds like shooting, World Trade Center. The, yeah, and then a nine eleven that he brought up that the NORAD is that what they call it? Yep, NORAD was down. Just happened to be down. There was a a, a drill, a, a terrorist uh, hijacking simulation drill like right. plan for that. You know, that always that happens. Day. The, the, <laughs> Fighter jets just doing not, practice maneuvers. Not coincidences. Exactly. I, it, I just felt like sorry. I just, I just felt like that this festival too. It's like you're right on the border, and I feel like you're die? really put, like. I, 
uh, no, that's another thing too. I have tried to look up as much footage as possible about this, and I'm yet to see anyone actually shot and killed. I know yeah. I'm, not, I'm not one to go look at gore, but like I kind of want to see these things myself, so that way I can determine how this actually went down. I'm yet to see it. I saw allegedly this one girl that was at the festival, her tattoos lined up to her supposed body in, in a truck but like oh my god how did she die did all of them allegedly die at least is that what they're saying blood though so we know we know in history now there's all these crisis actors so when they start saying like for example that uh, the the palestinians are and hamas are coming over and they're murdering the babies uh there was this crisis actor who basically said that she, she was a kuwaiti i believe she was a daughter of an ambassador or something some government agent and it was in you know the late 80s or the early 90s it said that uh Iraqi soldiers were coming over and taking babies out of the incubators and stomping them to yeah. death on the floor mm-hmm. and turned and out to be up, and 100%. And then she lied. Yes. She and went on like the news and talked about that, how it was so traumatic to her. I can't remember her name either, but uh, yes. she came out, absolutely, she lied. So so that has happened again and again. We have the Gulf of Tonkin where you know the U.S. put its own destroyer out there and then bombed it and said it was the Viet Cong or whatever so they could create an, an enemy. The military industrial complex is is going to do things to make sure that they can extract tax dollars from the people via weapons contracts um, well, so hey, they can have power. God forbid if you have uh, your own warship and then Israel flies by with their fighter jets and starts shooting at it, bombing it. That was Liberty, right? The USS Liberty. <laughs> nah. Yeah, we're not going to do anything about it. Don't do yep. anything about it. Don't um, stop them or tell them to cease fire. Yeah, nope. there's a there's a caller who calls in a lot, and um, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she said that her brother died on the USS Liberty. Wow. But with the, what 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 Ridley was saying about like if there was sixty or seventy people now, if that was pork fest that happened to, right? Oh, These God. guys in ultralights come in, you know, uh, what three quarters of the people around pork fest are carrying you know a sidearm there's always you yeah. know a handful of people walking around with a with you know a, some kind of rifle slung over their shoulder uh at least a couple people and you know the thing is is uh, i was actually at a festival in maine the saturday this happened a couple weeks ago wow. and uh and the you know when when we go to the festival you know we went there with our, with our camper uh they go to the festival and they're like we inspect all vehicles for you know weapons and you know drugs and stuff and, uh, you know, they see a middle-aged dude with a couple of kids and they didn't inspect my vehicle at all. Wow. Um, and, but, you know, a guy, guy behind me is, you know, in a Honda Civic and he has a couple of, uh, you know, young, young kids and, you know, well, kids, 20 year old, something like that. <laughs> and, uh, they definitely checked it, checked their car out and they were like, oh, you can't have this knife here. And, you know, <laughs> things like that. Oh but, but like, <laughs> they like more looking for drugs. I, yeah, I don't know. I heard something about some, they didn't want someone having a knife in there and they, <laughs> then they just held a knife until he left. They but, just want to uh, make sure you're vulnerable just in case any ultralights come in. Uh, well, anyways, I didn't say anything about, you know, no um, no arms. Uh, but, of course, I had, you know, stuff with me. I'm, you know, if I'm in Maine, Vermont, or Massachusetts, I'm carrying. As, and there's another reason why it's cost me more to go to, if you want to hire me to go to Massachusetts, I don't like going there anymore because, you know, I don't bring anything with me when I go there. Same yeah, here. I don't even but, bring my dog with me when I go to Massachusetts because I'm just so afraid of getting, you know, Pulled over, and then they make some reason for me to go to jail, and then my dog's in a pound in Massachusetts. So, so when I was at this festival, I was talking to a couple of guys uh, around a uh, in um, one of these vendor tents, and he kind of had a fire going. It was raining. We were talking about, you know, what they were telling me what was going on with this thing in Israel with the, hmm. them attacking a the music festival with the uh, with the ultralights, you know, the um, parachute ultralights. And uh, and I was like, yeah, uh, I don't like going anywhere without, you know some guns and everybody in a tent said that they had 
either a rifle or a shotgun with them either you know um at that music festival on you know they're like hey it's always in my truck you know and i that's live in one maine thing i was gonna say um i've only been to maine for a maybe three week period in 2020 in september and i just got this uh feeling from all the places that i visited there that it has a very similar culture to new hampshire like people seem to be okay with all things of like rural guns. new england has the rural new england culture hmm. And then all the cities everywhere, you know, especially, you know, the more woke they are. And that's a problem. There's a lot of, you know, there's liberal, ultra liberal, ultra left liberalism happening. There's wokeism uh, happening in Maine. Um, oh. It's uh, in, like Portland's bad like that. Portland's bad. You got a lot of uh, Democrats voting and a, and a lot of problems because I think that city's so pretty. A lot of people, a lot of who moves to Maine are. Massachusetts parasite class people, people who work in government. You know, a lot of them retire and they move to Maine because they ruined of, Boston. Now they're like, let's go ruin well, Portsmouth. Yeah, they, expensive. They too. basically, you know, um, I mean, uh, sorry, Portland. Yeah, so they've <laughs> done their jobs. I like a lot of career beer bureaucrats. As soon as they retired Massachusetts, Massachusetts is so expensive because of all the career beer bureaucrats. Uh, they moved to places like upstate New York, where it's dirt cheap. They moved to places like Maine, where it's dirt cheap. Uh, the um, land is cheap, you know, anywhere rural Maine. Taxes are really cheap up there. Oh, yeah. and, they give and out free land up there. Almost, yeah. Some no, don't. places. They do. They really? Well, you're supposed to sign a contract to stop being a potato farmer. So, uh, Ridley, <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to add about um, gun laws or anything like that? Well, you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where the whole the whole world disarms so they get taken over by aliens with slingshots? No. <laughs> so that, that's that that is that that's Israel, right? Uh, now I I admit obviously their military has a lot of weapons, but those are those are government weapons, right? That doesn't like anything. It's just for, it's just it's making our, it's making our point for us. The, the government, government obviously it wasn't interested in shooting down the tiny and, uh, slow ultralight things. And, uh, you know, and, and this is it, this keeps coming up. It's going to come up, I guess, in Taiwan next, because in Taiwan, compared to Ukraine, it's even worse. They had seven percent gun ownership in Ukraine. But in Taiwan, it's zero percent. And that's what we're about to go to World War Three over their gun laws. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I hope not. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing, like in the past few years, teaching like firearm, you know, usage, etiquette. Um, even like, you know, I have one of these little plastic shotguns that you put salt in. It's called a bug assault. I don't know if you guys ever use those, but yeah, I've seen them. Somebody but, told me about, oh wait, no, somebody told me about the pepper ones recently. I, you could, put, you could totally put pepper in this thing, but I hmm. would just put salt in it. And I, uh, and so my, th- my three-year-old, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I cocked a gun for her and, and I, you know, she, and I, and she's shooting bugs and, oh, wow. you know, and she's learning that the muzzle only gets pointed down. Uh, or at something you want to destroy, like you know, so we shoot flies, and you know, and I, and I let her know when she, you know, uh, you know, is has poor muzzle etiquette, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought you can't use that thing if you're going to point it at, at, you know, at at me or your mommy or something, or at your brother. You can't point it at somebody. You, can, you know, you can only point it at a bug. And she's going to have that so ingrained in her brain that but she'll never be, you know, accidentally pointing when, it at people. When you have people that have never touched a gun before. And a whole society, like this science sounds like what Taiwan is. How many people in Taiwan have actually ever shot a gun, have any idea how to use a gun? And you start putting guns in the hands of a bunch of people who culturally haven't had guns in a long time hmm. because it's like some kind of emergency. Uh, like if you had an invasion in Taiwan, you would probably have to start arming whoever's willing to, you know, pick up an arm. Uh, you're you're going to have a lot of problems. 
Is that all you had for us, Ridley? That is all. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much for the call, Ridley. I'm going to move on to the next caller um, because it is an open phones talk show uh, called Free Talk Live. And you can call in at 603-283-6160 with whatever is on your mind. Um, we have Major Payne in Michigan. Major, what's on your mind? Well, um, you got some of your numbers wrong on the main shooting. I wanted to make a couple comments on Ridley's spew there. Um Right now, presently, when the when the war started, only three percent of the Israeli Israeli population was armed. Hmm. That's pretty low. Uh, what was it? The Yom Kippur War? I think that was in 1969. They had three countries come against them, and somehow they came out victorious. Was that the Six Day but anyway, War? Anyway, in, in 1972, they passed some stupid gun law, and at that time, the gun owner ratio was 17 percent. Right, so that's that's tolerable. That's you know uh, an armed man in every house almost. It's better. But um, if they, uh, oh, what the hell? Now they have less. It wouldn't be an armed man in every house because I'm sure. Well, I don't know how that really you attracted gun ownership, but um, it's probably that like you know um, every. Tenth house, everybody's armed, <laughs> or, or, or every yeah, twenty-five well, that, houses, everybody's armed. <laughs> according to most of the reports that I've heard, that I thought were actually halfway reliable, um, every house that returned fire to them as they were coming, they pretty much went by it. Right, and the reason they attacked all the reason they attacked all the settlements is because that's where the poor folks are. They it's can't like, afford the price of a permit, much less the price of a gun. It's like. Um, yeah. Bullets shooting so out of a went, house is the new the, is the new red um, blood over the doorway. Well, that comes all the way back from Passover. Oh yeah, I mixed that up with Yom Kippur, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, that's not Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was a war. Not Passover. Oh, Passover so was a Jewish holiday. You said that I got some numbers wrong from the main thing. Is that what did more people die than I had? Yeah, I, I've been listening to news clips about this thing all day. There was hmm. 18 that were initially killed. And then I just heard a little update from the BBC. And the only thing they say is 18 or more. And there was 13 critically wounded. So one or two of them may not have made it. I don't know. So it might be up to like 20, but. I heard you spitting out like thirty and fifty and whatnot. And the uh, other thing that was um, those with, amount of people were wounded. Yeah, but, I heard that twenty-two had passed and fifty to sixty wounded. Which is but that crazy. was last night, and they actually, I think, redacted those numbers or something. Or this whatever. was just yeah, from it was, it was, Tim it was Cast. Thirteen wounded, and the guy never signed himself into a nut house either. Actually, what uh, was, he, he's an army reservist. And his commanding officers decided he was getting a little loopy. So they called the state police and says, we want you to transport him to the military hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. When was that? This was like six, eight months ago, maybe a year. I don't know. He was admitted, I I believe. Whether he admitted himself or got admitted... It's well, no, all you, every time, Bonnie, every time you go to the hospital, you have to sign in. So that's all they need to twist it right there. 
Okay, I I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. Like it doesn't change the conversation. Yeah, well, so he didn't he didn't voluntarily check himself into the nut house. Is what well, there's I'm also saying. such thing as being involuntarily up. committed. You know, right. um, you know, it's it, there's definitely involuntarily being committed and then voluntarily going there. Like that would he wasn't committed. He just went in for a psych evaluation and he passed. Well, he we might be talking about it. something different. I don't have it in front of me anymore. Yeah, and what that was. No, we're, talk, we're talking about the main shooting. This guy was. Right. Uh, okay, I'm putting you on hold. Um, Jay was saying something. No, oh, no, to. Uh, I was the one who stated, uh, you know, so a friend of mine in the. Uh, in, in locally here, his father was hunting with uh, in that area and knows, like, the family. Hmm. And, and they said that he checked himself into a mental health facility this summer for two weeks, is what was mentioned to me. Oh, okay. So, so, and that just comes from, you know, some guy I know who allegedly knows his dad. And it's not any, like, you know, reports. But what he's saying could be very accurate. I don't know. He yeah. he also wanted to, he had, I, I mean, this is what I heard of the news. So, he uh, wanted to shoot up a recruitment office, a National Guard recruitment office. Hmm. And, like, that was on the FBI's radar uh, for a moment. And that should have been red flags galore. Yeah. And he's a firearm instructor? Well, we know the FBI, When uh, my fear with, with the FBI, you know, what they, it seems like what they do a lot is they come up with these guys who are twisted, whacked, you know, easy to influence um, because they are everywhere. Like I said, the, the algorithm knows who they are. And uh, and they can either just sit back and let it happen because this is all like for the FBI, all this stuff gives them power. And these guys mm-hmm. decide yeah, can't let opportunity power. go to waste. Right. right. So I think you should be careful, though. Anytime you're saying like, oh, that the FBI knew, could have done something about this. Like, it's just like asking the FBI to do right. more because I, I agree. Right. But these are as an anarchist, it's hard to say that. Right. But I think I feel like. If there's tools and we have, you know, the government says, depend on us. We need, you need us. You need us. And then they and go ahead and they, other tools. they mess up and they don't like actually provide a service like a mass shooter going crazy. Like, what? yeah, I think we can blame the FBI and be like, yeah, it's your fault. It's partly and, your fault. And you look at things where you like, you have actual twisted bad criminals, like, you know, attempting to do stuff and we have a massive police state. Everything is tracked, traced, monitored, database logged, algorithms looking at stuff. And then you got like the state coming after my wife, for example, over letting it, let, allowing her daughter to safely nap in a car. And the cops said, during March, oh, and, she was completely safe and not and, in danger the whole time. Right, right. But anyways, you know, you have, we got a list of like 14 people putting in all kinds of hours from Child Protective Services, like hundreds of thousands, well, I don't know, hundreds of man hours. I don't know how many dollars, you know, yeah. state employees to like... I mean, the, and, Jane, the the ticket lady, she gets $25 an hour, she told me. she And it costs probably $45 an hour, you know, for the taxpayers to pay her $25 an hour with her pension and all her benefits and stuff. Mm, Think about that. Actually, so, they said that they don't get pensions, but I don't know if I believe them. I got really? one more. I got Go one more it. comment on this main shooting. Evidently, his brother told him that he had another bar targeted on his list too, but for some reason or another, it was closed that night. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you yeah. for the call. Well, I'm just, I, I, I think he was just head hunting. He knew where there were sheep. They might all be no carry in the bar. Yeah, we should look into that. Yeah, Thank there you for is the no call. carry in a bar in Maine. Oh yeah, so that yeah. Is one where of the there's things alcohol. On, yep, you can't you can't concealed or uh, open carry. Uh, and even if you have a permit in Maine, I believe you can't um, 
open carry concealed in a, in a liquor establishment. One thing I saw, I think it was that Tim Cast article, which I already X'd off, um, was that he, one of the places he shot was a bowling alley. Some of those uh, serve alcohol. So yep, it could very go. well be um, a no gun zone. Well, um, we're going into the break, but don't go anywhere. There's more Free Talk Live coming up, 603-283-6160. Do you have any opinions on the things we're talking about? Call in and let us know. Uh, We have time for you, 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Illutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. with us is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. And Joa. And Jay. And I'd like to take a second to say this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash Dash.org. And um, we were talking in the last segment about a whole bunch of different things. I really like doing the show with you, too, so... Oh, thanks, Bonnie. You, too. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. We were talking in the last segment about... Well, specifically, Dave Ridley brought up gun control in Israel. We're talking about the mass shooting in Maine and also the attack on Israel from allegedly Hamas um, terrorists out of Gaza. And I actually have this article um, to get into about... And what- they probably were Hamas terrorists, seeing how Hamas is basically like, you know, uh, Mossad-sponsored, you know, or came out of some American, you know, Western-sponsored, you know... And in Israel, apparently, I've heard. Yeah, Mossad is like the Israeli CIA. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, they, they they need a boogeyman. They want a war. And, and But go on. Um. I just say allegedly because, I mean, I didn't even see the video of the little 
things you guys are calling ultralights. They look like a tricycle or a go-kart with a parachute on it. I'll show you. That can be um, yeah, kind of glide up into there yep. and glide down. Um, but we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. We have uh, my dad. His name is Rusty in Alabama. Rusty, what's on your mind? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for uh, letting me call in. Uh, I got a couple things uh, Jay was talking about. <clears throat> I was going to talk about the Second Amendment stuff that's uh, kind of contrary, what's going on with uh, Israel compared to uh, our response. Uh, one is on the response from Israel, they were heightened uh, into, hey, let's let's go ahead and bear arms. We should bear arms and and I think that's a, a good movement, obviously, for Israel. But here in the States, obviously, you're talking about the gun grabbers. Is, you know, they're going for that first. Um, because of the main, big, uh, well, the main shooter? One of the main things of coming out of the Second Amendment you guys were talking about. Also, I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but uh, one of the kaputzes, there was a 25-year-old. This reported out of Charlie Kirk that I saw earlier for sure. But uh, it was a 25-year-old uh, woman who saved her kaputs. Uh, it's, a, it's a Jewish settlement of some of the small settlements that were close to the, uh, the site where uh, the Hamas came in. So she had weapons, and she was like one of the only kaputses or settlements that actually had weapons at all. And with 12 uh, firearms, she was able to save her whole kaputs. She was able to hand out to other citizens in her small area, and it could have been just by dozens. That's but they held on for four hours. Wait, do you know like how we can look that up? Is there like a, a name associated to this? Uh, it is. It's, it's a Jewish name. I do not know off the top of my head, but it's been reported out there. I know I heard it uh, for the first time today on uh, Charlie Kirk show. So we just out there, you know, uh, mainstream. Yeah, and uh, that was like... one of the main reasons why Israel a, a big chunk of israel is like look it's night and day they had guns they lived these people didn't have guns and they did not live so is the israeli government um telling their people no you don't you're not going to be able to um no no they're starting to get on board because i think the popular swell is so egregious against uh right now they're pretty upset about the government not knowing you know how could this happen you know that's been talked about, you know, day one, you know, this is inconceivable that some places, uh, I think it helped for six hours. There was just straight rain of six hours of terror. So they're like, they put their trust in the government and the Israelis were okay to do that. But what happened is, well, they died. They didn't have a second. <laughs> so it's, you know, obvious lesson from most of us would agree here, obviously that, uh, that would obviously not be the thing to do, but it's, it's getting, huge groundswell have, have you uh, seen any any like photographs of these uh kaputs what they like what these neighborhoods look look like do they look like the um brand new homeowners associations that are going up all around like dallas and denver and phoenix no uh from the the stuff that i've seen and i've not seen a picture of that one so i can't talk for sure about that it's just they just look like older settlements uh look like smaller houses uh just some of the footage that I've seen, but I haven't really dived into too much. I don't want to get on, uh, throw all that kind of stuff in my brain, all that uh, extracurricular stuff on there. But, but at the same time, of the houses that I've seen, they look like modest. 
but they look older. They don't. They did not look newer. And so they were able to shoot these people that were coming in on these little flying contraptions, or people who well, had I don't know got about on the that ground. Because, well, yeah, it would be on the ground where okay. they try to advance further to the kaputs where the kaputs were. So they were a little bit like a few miles away. So, so the, the exact location, I can't swear on it, but that's being reported widely that hey, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, a woman that had twelve weapons disperse them out to other people, and they saved their kibbutz. Think about so. uh, if anyone wants to know what a, kibbutz, a kibbutz looks like, and imagine just a small little settlement town, like, sort of isolated from all the other ones, and they're all kind of all tied <clears throat> into each other, <clears throat> like oh, the, the neighbors and sort of, uh, that sort of thing. Well, and they're, they're like, yeah, well, they've been close in location, yeah. Yeah, they're just like location. these little, you know, areas of neighborhoods. Then you have like you know, like fifteen hundred square foot one. lots with like you know twelve hundred square foot houses on them, something like that. Like thirty acres with a bunch of houses on it. Okay. Well, Dad, yeah, and, and what? There, you said that you a had lot of them actually. Something you wanted to say about the Afghanistan poppy fields? Yeah, I got a firsthand account, pretty much uh, confirming or uh, backing up the same story that Jay had. There, the poppy fields were definitely protected, and uh, I. I did not do a tour in Afghanistan. My tours were in Iraq. But in Afghanistan, I know firsthand account, you know, would tell me of a situation that happened where Al-Qaeda individuals that say they were Al-Qaeda were working with special operators because there was communication that that spilled over into the, uh, the 101st, the, the guy that I know was in the 101st, uh, First Brigade, I'm pretty sure, he had all of his radio communications spilled over, obviously a different language, whatever they speak in Afghanistan, and they had Americans jump in on that conversation. Again, this was only, uh, 101st was just listening, like, what's going on? They jumped in and, and said, no, no, break, 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 stop, stop. And they saw the special operators, but they didn't see the uh, Afghanis, but they were pushed off in the distance. They were going to ambush those guys in the 101st, because they got too close to the hoppy, uh, the poppy fields. Right. And so there was coordination with at least, I'm sure, our government. But, you know, I can't swear oh, on that. All I know is I have firsthand knowledge of what happened. Well, so I you can, were listening can... to those radios, you're saying? Yeah. So they have radio communications for their mission they go on. So they're going out and they're doing their patrols. <clears throat> They'll have a sector. The 101st guys will. Or whoever, you know, whoever it was. In this case, it just happened to be 1st Brigade 101st. Well, I, but, hey, I, I just want to uh, go back for a second. I can uh, I can guarantee you that the U.S. military is protecting poppy fields because even uh, a friend of mine in Jay's, um, uh, should I say his name? Because he, sure, he talks about yeah, it publicly. Dave, he talks about he ta- it all the time. Yeah, he talks about it publicly. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he was literally ordered to defend the poppy fields. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what unit that guy was in. I just know on this one, they happened along it because they were just part of their sector, and they were not ordered. The guys in the hundred first were not ordered to to guard that. But they found out that captain <clears throat> went back when he has to go to be debriefed on the mission. He was openly yelling and screaming at the battalion commander, which that never happens. And the battalion commander didn't fire him; he just pulled him off somewhere and tried to calm him down, and explain him the situation. And that was all right in front of a. Uh, People a sergeant, you know? yeah, that was in uh, Dugway with us. Oh wow! So it was, it was just. Well, I mean, he told me that, and I was like, "Wow!" And that has to be true because that is other accounts of other things that I've heard. 
So to me, it just it backs that up uh, tremendously. It just well. So, did you have more you wanted to say about the timing with the main shooting? Yeah, I just thought it was really ironic because I I don't know if this is conspiratorial or not, but I mean MK Ultra has been around for a long time. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, they get people, and and it's not hard to do, this, especially if somebody's having mental health issues, uh, somebody who's maybe alone. It. I mean, even if not, I mean, these guys that are doing this stuff, they can they can do it to anybody. They can, you know, and, mess uh, with people's brains and get them to yeah, want they can to do it shoot through people. Sound waves. They, they they can do it through sound waves. They don't even need you know narcotics or anything. They, we were talking. They, I don't know if um J- uh, Joe was on the show with me uh, this night, but we were talking a few weeks ago about how during Waco they were using literal yes. sound clips of like rabbits dying because apparently they make a crazy noise and um just annoying songs that they would play over and over at Waco to try to drive them out and drive them crazy. How about the fact that, uh, you know, social media is so intertwined in our lives, and if this guy was on social media, you know, this this algorithm can figure out what triggers him, and, you know, and this is like the modern-day MKUltra where they could just, yeah, oh, he's going to go on his Facebook app today? Let's mess with them. And then they just put one thing after another of intense craziness, and the next thing you know, snapped. And now he goes. And nutty. if he was already in the military, and um, he could have gone through, you know, MK, MK Ultra type programs where they implanted, you know, code words into his brain. Where if they he hears this co- specific code word, then he <clears> goes <throat> and does a mass shooting, and then they like just monarch, Man, like, uh, like the Manchurian yeah. candidate. Yeah, like monarch. But uh, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with that. I was in the Army for 27 years, and I'm, I'm not familiar firsthand, definitely, or secondhand of any of that, but I know that stuff does take place. Mm-hmm. And um, that's so, um, wh- whenever the stuff <clears throat> came out about MKUltra, which they claim it's yeah. a program that the military did do, and you can Google it, um, but they claim that they ended it, but I don't see any reason to believe them that they ended it. Yeah, that was in the 1960s, yeah. Right. So um, They started off using military people as uh, the test subjects. And then they started doing, like, just disadvantaged people, poor people on welfare, stuff like that, um, kind of, like, mentally already messed up people. And that was a while ago, Some so you these, know they uh, advanced that technology. Right, and if, at the very least, they used <laughs> yeah. those experiments and what they learned from it to do to figure out what they could do on a mass scale, like sure. Joe was saying, to people on social media. And, and Jay was saying the same thing a couple segments ago. Anything else? If it's a... If it's an opportunity for a government to gain a military advantage, they're not going to let that go. It don't, doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, don't let it go to waste. If they can do it, they yeah. will do it, and they are. Well, thank you for the call. Um, I just, I mean, I feel like we're all on the same page. Basically, the government will, will do evil, terrible things to scare the population and get them to give them more control. Here's the thing about defending your community and, and your own property. So, like... These guys on these ultralights, if they're flying over one of these cookie cutter homeowner association where every house is just packed in there, you know, like uh, these communities, like I was saying, that they build all around like Phoenix and Denver, not so much apartment complexes, Hmm. basically what he, so Joa showed me a photo of a kaputz Hmm. and basically it's surrounded by what looked like alfalfa fields Hmm. and, you know, in in the desert and it's flat. And there's like no trees there. Probably the trees are, you know, trees that they brought in and put in their mm-hmm. yards, you know, and and these places are usually gated. Mm-hmm. So like there's a community I go stay. I went and stayed in last year in Phoenix, right outside of Phoenix, Arizona, where it's all gated. And the houses, uh, you know, have these concrete, you know, walls all between them. 
Uh, you'd have a hard time. You, you, you couldn't. I mean, you'd have a hard time walking a fat horse between you know the house and the wall wow. on either side. You'd no way you're getting like a car or anything in a backyard. You'd have to, you know, if you had a big big motorcycle that was all dressed, you'd have a hard, hard time getting in a backyard. And you know, this is kind of luxury place, but to me, it looked more like an open air prison that could be gated off very, that could be sealed oh, off yeah. real quick. Yeah. And if you're in there. <laughs> If you're in there, in, in that area, and a lot of these places, I'm sure these kaputs are maybe sort of set up like a 15-minute city. There's probably like stores and, you know, vending maybe that you could do of some sort in there. I don't know what. But like uh, I know in these communities, like you go like just outside this gate of the community and there's like a Walmart, a you know, a, well, whatever, all the, you know, corporate big box Dollar you know, General stores, all that, that crap. they have in Israel, whatever that is. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, so anyways, if you were up on some, one of these ultralights, you could just literally just buzz around like a bee for hours. You know, you want to put a big fuel tank on these things. You can go for a long time. You said they went six, seven hours before they were shot out of the sky. These Whoa. guys, right? Uh, I, don't, I or, didn't but, read that. They, were they it. shot out of the sky? I don't know eventually. if they were shot out or if they came down or whatever. But like you could just buzz around up there yeah. and just, you know, start taking you know, and just take out whoever you see on the ground. If that's how they're doing it. I don't oh, know if they yeah. came in and they just landed and they started you like, you know, um, you know, uh, basically being on foot coming after people but if you're like if you're in one of these ultralights Perfect. and you're buzzing around and you start seeing shots getting fired at you you're not landing that thing anywhere near where those shots are no. getting fired and doing mm-hmm. any kind of thing but here's the other thing so this woman had 12 guns and like so like you might think 12 guns is a lot for one you know man or woman to have that's not nearly enough hmm. uh, because basically in a situation like that you need a gun for like all your friends your neighbors, especially if you're the only one that's armed. So mm-hmm. the way you're really going to protect your community is if you and your neighbor, if your neighbors all know how to shoot your guns. Mm-hmm. Now, who are you going to let know about what you have for guns, know where your guns are, know where your ammo is, how to shoot your guns, people you trust. Well, one thing that we're really lacking, especially in you know urban America and not hopefully not so much rural America. I know all my neighbors. Um and uh, pretty much, uh, even the one I don't get along with, I, I'm, 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 I definitely trust him with my gun. If uh, um, you know, if there was an invasion, because huh. you know he's, you know, like for example. Uh, but like, so when you like train and pra- even people you hang out with, like if you carry, I like the idea of like the people I'm around and the people I hang out with know how to use my gun. I want you know, and, and I'll often be like, hey. Um, you should shoot my gun if you know how to, if, if if you're hanging around with me just yeah, Jay just in case. Yeah, uh, invites me to go learn how to shoot guns at his house all the time. So so, so anyways, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I want my friends, I want my family, you know, my my peers, the people who are around me to like have an idea of of how to use my guns, and I think that's uh, very important because you need to be able to hand. You might need to be able to hand your your neighbor, you, you know, your AR-15 or your AK-47 or your you know bolt action, you know, hunting rifle uh, or whatever. Um, or your pistol and, you know, all these guns sort of have little different features to them. Uh, and th- there are people who can shoot one kind of gun and you hand them another gun if they're blindfolded and they wouldn't know, wouldn't be able to shoot it, you know, for example. Um, so it's important that who you hang and wa- hang around with, uh, knows how to use your gun. And if you're hanging around with the kind of people that you wouldn't give your gun to, you shouldn't be hanging around with those kind of people. Oh, for real, for real. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great point about who you should hang out with. Yeah. Can I hand my gun to this person? Right. No. Yeah. Okay. I probably shouldn't <laughs> hang out with them. Yeah, the company you keep. Well, we do have a story from um, the Foundation for Economic Education, fee.org, about gun and gun control. I thought it seemed pretty interesting. 
It says gun control advocates ignore what the founding fathers really taught. And it says we don't have to guess. Is what- that thought or taught? Oh, wait, thought. Yeah, sorry. My bad. <laughs> we don't have to guess Not what the... Not T-H-O-T, by the way, everyone. Yes. T-H-O-U-G-H-T. Okay, what they okay. really <laughs> thought when they were writing, I guess. <laughs> um, we don't have to guess what the founding fathers thought about gun rights. We can read what they wrote is the subtitle there. He says, in all my years of existence, the Second Amendment of our Constitution has always been considered controversial. Opponents claim it is the cause of gun violence. Proponents assert that it helps guarantee freedom and safety. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. These 27 words have been the subject of much debate during the 20th and 21st centuries. Does it mean that citizens only have a right to own guns if the state has a well-regulated militia in place that they are a part of? No, because it says shall. Okay, (laughs) go ahead, go ahead. I don't think it does. Or does it mean absolutely that the right to bear arms should not be infringed? Which is what it literally says. Perhaps it means that you can only use guns for hunting purposes, or you're not allowed to have anything more complicated than an 18th century musket because that's what the founders had when they wrote this. Yeah, but did they say just hunting animals? Nope. Okay, good point. Um, The last two (laughs) questions don't seem to make sense when you look at the wording of the Second Amendment, but somehow opponents have made this a pillar of their arguments because they keep repeating and insisting on it on the grounds that well, we don't know what the Founding Fathers really intended when they wrote this. Well, but, they, they intended that the people be so well-armed and more powerful than the government and more powerful than anyone else. Because uh, So, purposes, you're not going to be getting invaded. You're not going to be getting invaded by Indians. You're not going to be getting invaded by foreigners. You know, the reason the Prime Minister of Japan said they didn't want to do a ground invasion on the United States because there'd be a sniper behind every blade of grass. I, I can't remember how many hundred million hunting permits. There's like something like a hundred and maybe uh, uh, more like 75 percent of the population has like a hunting permit or something in, wow. in, in the uh, United States That's or maybe half. But or it's at least a safety course or something like that. Uh, it was the actual permit for hunting. I really? Believe. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember the number. But anyways, here's the thing about a hunter. Every hunter is a sniper. Right. Every one of them. And so this is where the and, and you know, 75 years ago, you know, almost you know, way more people hunted you know, than today. But the, I, I believe the number is 100 million uh, hunting permits as of 2019, you know, in 2019, essentially. Is it, is it a thing, like, to go to, say, China to go hunting? Not that I know of. I never hear about other countries and hunting really at all. But Maybe, like, Africa Safari, because yeah, it's, like, exotic and it's, like, People illegal. from other countries going there to hunt, right? Right, Mostly. right. Well, um, I'm going to go to the phones. Anonymous caller, or at least unscreen caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. What, what's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm in San Francisco, long-time uh, libertarian activist out here. Uh, oh, Star Child. The... Is, that, is that what you said? Yeah, Star Child. Uh-huh. Oh, what's on hey. your mind tonight? Uh, well, I just happened to um, tune in. I was just, first of all, um, I want to say how sad I was to see Ian going to jail and... Um, Aria, of course, still being in jail. It's just uh, such a travesty of justice. It really, it really is. Um, I, I, I are you able to I, hang on till the end of this break? It's going to be about four minutes. Sure. 
All right, I'm going to put you on hold. 603-283-6160 is the phone number to call in with whatever's on your mind. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church. .shiresociety.com Yeah, it's Free Talk Live 603-283- 6160 is the number for you to call to get in on the conversation with us. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight on Free Talk Live, it's me, Bonnie. Joa. And Jay. And I would like to take a second to thank Glenn Nielsen. He's a gold-level amplifier with Free Talk Live. And an amplifier is someone who helps amplify, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. And if you'd like to learn more about that, you can go to AMPS, A-M-P-S, that's amps.freetalklive.com to learn more. And thank you again to Glenn Nielsen for contributing in that way. And if anybody is interested in joining, you can go to amps.freetalklive.com. So thank you. So so one of our uh, listeners, uh, Rob, mm-hmm. um, has uh, sent me a message saying, and he sent me a link to a little uh, video uh, I guess right now the uh, police have surrounded a main shooter suspect home, oh, according okay. to ABC News. Wow. Wasn't sure if he got found yet. Um, I'm going to go straight back His to home? the phones. That's what they said. Interesting. I'm going to go back to the phones. We have Starchild from California. Starchild, what's on your mind? Yeah, hey, uh, Bonnie, Joe, Jay, um, Jay Joe. Um, I uh, wanted to... Um, talk a little bit about the what I see as the growing importance of uh, the international aspect for the liberty movement, um, including for the Free State Project in New Hampshire, which which I, I definitely support and I think is a is a a great thing and um, encourage everyone to, you know, move there if you can or or support from afar. Um, but uh, I think that you know the world is increasingly interconnected, and there's a lot of exciting things happening in other countries as well. I know have people have been following. We've been talking about what's going on in Argentina uh, with Javier Malay, um, yeah. who uh, you know just uh, secured place in the presidential runoff and got the support of the 
the second uh, runner-up, he didn't get the most votes. Uh, he did it in the primary back in August, uh, right. the primary election. He came out as the number one candidate for and the Argentine Malay, presidency. Uh, we've talked about him a few yeah. times on the show. He's basically like Argentina's Ron Paul right now. And I have an article just about exactly what you're bringing up. The third runner-up has extended his, her support to him. So it's looking pretty good yeah. for him on Wait, this is the results runoff. out yet? Yeah, he didn't uh, win, but there's the, a runoff. Right. On October, uh, uh, what was it, just a couple days ago, 24th, uh, no, that's, anyway, um, whatever the date was. It was Sunday, was the Sunday that just passed. Sunday, right. Um, he uh, he came in second, which was a little bit disappointing because they'd been expecting to come in first, as he had in the primary. Uh, but basically, the, the left-leaning statist uh, Peronist government, uh, you know, which is basically the folks who've been running Argentina for the past half century or so, uh, since, uh, you know, Juan and Neva Perón famously, uh, basically they pulled out all the stops in terms of both fear-mongering, saying, oh, you know, your, your pension's going to be destroyed if this radical, you know, libertarian gets in, uh, this kind of thing. And also they uh, put through a bunch of uh, uh, tax cuts and uh, other freebies at the last minute um, to buy votes, essentially. Uh, I think the the government clearly has no money to do. I mean, they have rampant hyperinflation there and um, cannot afford new spending, but, uh, you know, buying votes is a tried and true strategy, and apparently it worked to some extent. But um, fortunately, uh, you know, the La Libertad Advanza uh, party, uh, libertarian party that Javier Malay heads, uh, did pick up uh, a good number of seats in the Argentine Good. legislature and going forward oh. for the, the runoff election on November 19th, he's now got the support of the candidate came in third behind himself and, and uh, the, the first two um, places, Millet and that uh, guy who won first, they were close enough that it it, um, it it made it to where they're going to have this runoff. So if it, considering that and then the third place person who got like 20 percent or 26 percent. Yeah. Um, backing him, it looks pretty good for Malay. Um, I'm really in- interested to see if he's going to win. But um, going back to yeah. your so, main idea, just yeah. basically, mm-hmm. you said you find it important for libertarians to pay attention to what's going on in the in the whole world. Why is that? Well, not just pay attention. What I what I want to specifically uh, talk about actually is um, there's an organization that I think is worth uh, joining and and supporting and uh, trying to get uh, membership in fact from New Hampshire. I just went to their website uh, and they have um, opened uh, new membership applications. It says for uh, 2023, 2024. Um, the group is called uh, UNPO. The uh, Unrepresented Nations and Peoples Organizations, and they're unpo.org. What is basically kind of an alternative United Nations, and they've got uh, dozens of uh, member countries and and some former member countries that uh, you know were eventually invented into the UN or dropped out for other reasons. But um, basically, there's a huge number of areas around the world, uh, occupied nations, one might call them, or startup countries. Uh, you know, and I, w- I would put New Hampshire in this category potentially, as well as some other places in the United States, like the Lakota Nation uh, or uh, you know Hawaii, uh, other areas that are seeking independence. Um, and I think it really behooves all these areas to work together and libertarians to promote these se- secession, uh, decentralization on the 
philosophy that everyone everywhere deserves uh, political self-representation. If you have a majority of people in a particular piece of land uh, who want to secede and become independent, uh, that should always be allowed. It's a fundamental civil right. And uh, I think uh, people like yourselves, uh, myself, I consider myself a political dissident. I consider you guys political dissidents. And I think, um, you know, things like the whole travesty of, of what happened with the Crypto 6, uh, you know, we should be reaching out to connect with uh, the people who support democracy and freedom in other countries, uh, including mainstream organizations, you know, like Human Rights Watch and such, to uh, put pressure on uh, governments when they, uh, you know, go after dissidents like this, because it clearly was a planned operation, you know, with this, this FBI agent and everything, uh, Chris, Christiana, Phil Christiania, I believe his name was. Phil Christiani, um, yeah. Chris Yaya, who, you know, clearly had a, a, a targeted uh, free Still talk lives, and Ian and, and people over the years, you know, tried to tried get uh, Rich Paul to wear the wiretap and everything to spy on you guys. And, yeah, tried uh, to get Dave Ridley to talk with him, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. agree once Ridley said, okay, I'll do it, but I want to film the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 uh, <laughs> the, the international pressure angle, I think, is is very important. It highlights the U.S. government's hypocrisy. They don't want that kind of uh, exposure and embarrassment. No government does. And, um, you know, to the extent that international pressure can be brought to bear, I mean, we should say, you know, we, we want international election observers in this country. You're, you you're talking um, about embarrassing uh, government officials. Oh, Gosh darn, did I embarrass that prosecutor today in court? <laughs> we do need to get into that. Yeah, we that. need to get into that. Can you um, remind me or just restate it, Star Child? I didn't quite get the name of the um, organization you were talking about. Yeah, it's called the Unrepresented Nations and Peoples Organization, unpo.org. Again, it's kind of like an alternative United Nations for yes. uh, countries, uh, groups that want to become countries who are not allowed into the United Nations, including some big ones like Taiwan is probably the leading example. It's a oh, wow. you know, de facto independent country. And That's a good thing not being the, in, in the UN. <laughs> well, uh, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, it, it, it gives a certain degree of, of protection you know, against the predations of other governments. I mean, sadly, the U.S. government basically sold out uh, Taiwan uh, back in the 70s under Richard Nixon, although it wasn't democratic at the time, but at least it wasn't perpetrating the horrific human rights abuses that the communist regime was in China. And now Taiwan is fully democratic, and they're trying to stay free and independent. And Xi Jinping and the uh, dictatorship of the CCP in in mainland China is trying to, uh, you know, take over and has, you know, been threatening military action and everything. And obviously we don't want, you know, the United States government involved in in a war there or more government to government aid. But we need, I think, the libertarian movement, the freedom movement worldwide needs more things like um, there's another great group called uh, uh, Sons of Liberty International, uh, founded by Matthew Van Dyke, who's a former a uh, journalist, an American journalist who went and covered uh, the conflict in Libya and then in Syria. Um, and he, you know, made friends there and he actually got into the fighting and was uh, a prisoner of war briefly in Libya. And then he went and fought against the Assad regime in Syria. And now he's founded this organization, which is basically a non-state, you know, alternative that's providing uh, military training and um, 
support to people trying to overthrow regimes in other places. Because I think just like we, you know, we don't say as libertarians, you know, now, oh, it's just, it's enough to just say, get rid of all the the welfare state, you know, because our enemies already say, oh, you libertarians just want grandma to starve in the street. You're just a bunch of heartless capitalists. Um, so it's, it's not enough to say, like, well, we need U.S. government uh, support for these things to end. We need to have alternatives in place domestically. I think we're pretty good about that. But internationally, you know, libertarians in this country will still say, like, oh, well, the U.S. shouldn't be involved in Ukraine. The U.S. government shouldn't be involved in, in the, uh, you know, defending Taiwan or South Korea or whatever. Um, and that's not enough. We need to provide alternative uh, means in the voluntary sector. It's all about really education. Fighting for freedom. I, it's all I about tend education. to agree. And it's, it's like if people are educated to be able to do certain things. And thank you so much for the call tonight, uh, Star Child. But I, I just think that I, I enjoy um, the fact that people can call into the, the, the show and bring up organizations they think are doing a great job and um, other people can hear it and join if they're interested. But personally, I think that the best thing you can do is give people the ability to help themselves. And it's like, I am so incredibly busy just running like my regular life. Like I don't have the ability or, and, and yeah, it's not like he's just asking me to do something for another country all myself, but it, it's just that if it's not something that I'm really called to do, I don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. And I do lots of activism here. And I think a lot of people might see it that way. Um, the- and, and and the thing is like, if you just teach if you're making your goal to teach as many people as possible, don't hurt people and don't touch, take their stuff. I think that that can do a, a lot. Yeah. I was going to say that the, the news is just giving everyone blips of, uh, of information and people are really just not looking into it and, uh, really absorbing a larger picture of like libertarianism. They always just want to go, Oh yeah. Like, like you were saying, the grandmother's starving in the streets. Well, you know how long that grandmother would starve in the streets if we had a libertarian society? Not very long. She'd be fed voluntarily. And uh, and and that grandma, you know what I thought about? Well, if your grandma is an a-hole, <laughs> right? And, you know, or somebody's just been nasty and mean, you're probably, you know, not interested. I know people that got like a mom or, you know, a parent that they're like, I'm not interested in doing anything for them. They were horrible to me. But and, then there's going to be people out there who are like, I am just such a good person that even if this old lady's an a-hole, I want to yep. put my time in Absolutely. and feed her and the the thing is right now people are being held back from being able to do that that want to do things like that because um well first of all they feel like oh well the government's already taking care of that and second of all if you want to go out and just start feeding homeless people you could get arrested well you're saying like a nasty grandmother and like she's just mean and you know how who's gonna feed her well guess what she's gonna probably end up becoming nice well, and that's it. So if if the government's not going to take care of you and you have to rely on young people to take care of you, essentially, when yeah. you get old, because we're all going to get to a point someday where we can't take care of ourselves. And so we have a huge percentage of the population. There is more women over 35 years old without children in America right now than there has ever been. There is, and and so we're going to we have this epidemic of people who don't have children, nobody to take care of them. And then you have a, a lot of kids that are, aren't even can't even. There's a lot of forty year olds, people my age, that can't take care of themselves. Never mind take care of a, you know a, a family member or an aging parent or whatever. But you know, just like you, you guys are talking about education and like you know and, and creating this libertarian society, 
uh, you know, one of the things that we I, I've been saying for a long time we need to have is uh, we need to start building confidence in Generation Next right now. Mm-hmm. And um, and the uh, because people who who have confidence don't ask government for help. They don't ask government permission. They don't beg government. It is the people who lack confidence uh, that are the ones that are demanding the welfare, demanding the government jobs, working in government, for example. Um, and you'll notice that a lot of libertarians are usually pretty darn confident mm-hmm. and, you know, competence, uh, people who well, have, they're, they're confident in the principles, right? They're not so much confident in others, <laughs> but we, I mean, uh, I would say generally overall, they're kind of confident people because in order to have a libertarian philosophy, you got to be confident in others. You got to believe in um, self responsibility, and it's kind of hard to be, um, be want self responsibility and not be competent and able to do things yourself. I believe yeah. that most people want to be good, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the biggest majority in the world that people want to be good, and we all get along, right? Then you got like these very small percentage psychos mm-hmm. uh you know convincing other people to be psychos like them but take right. the action exactly like, yeah to, like exactly do the horrible things like shooting up a place in maine or you know robbing stores because you can like or these trafficking are the, children tra- yeah <laughs> like uh, as a government agent we go on and on <laughs> actually be a cop yeah <laughs> these are psychotic methods guys <laughs> and you don't have to be a psychopath like joe was saying that i the reason I was like, yes, that's how it is. I, I'm always trying to convince people, and I um, think that Mark Passio, he explains this better than anyone else. If you want to listen to his podcast, what on earth is happening.com, and then you go to the podcast section and start at podcast one, you'll learn all about this. Like Joe said, there's a very, very small percentage of the human race that are actually psychopaths, but being um, psychopaths, they learn very quickly they gotta act normal, and they can't just act on all, all their impulses, but they need a, a larger percent of people to act the way that they want to act. They make them into something called secondary psychopaths by training right. them, and then they make them do the dirty work for them. It's like the military. Right. It's like the, the you know, the officer tells this, the one of his uh, you know, privates. Privates, yeah. Uh, Go shoot that guy over there. And damn, they do it. Order takers. Order followers. Hierarchies. Thur- or, um, hierarchies <laughs> is the biggest thing. Uh, there's someone below you and there's someone above you. I take orders and I give orders to the ones under me. It's just... How patriotic is he, huh? Well, Joe, <laughs> I did really want to get into your trial today because we have... Um, another only in one more hour plus the last few minutes of this segment. So, what do you have to tell us about what went on today? Ah, uh, so this well, has been going on for over a year. I've been really excited, and I freaking slept in. First off, if oh, you're a witness, me. please turn off the show. But if you're not a witness, you can listen. There's only like three of you out there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the prosecution, oh, what a tool! What a d bag he was. Is he a soy boy? A, a, wife, a wife beater. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you yeah. know? Well, I'm just repeating. That's just the vibe? <laughs> well, yeah. Whoa. Well, he uh, physically, at the end of, uh, we get to the end here, and not just talk about the trial, but he tried walking through me. Hmm. He purposely bumped his laptop into my uh, my friend Whoa. that he was he was uh, assisting with counsel. Yeah. Uh, purposely did that at the end. He knew that, you know, only the bailiff was in there for, and like, in that bailiff had, you know, had his back turned, so he was doing all this crap. He Whoa. even, like, he, he, he even threatened to dox me. 
He even threatened to dox me in the court. Wow. This is like absurd behavior. But anyways, if you want to get to the trial, do you have any questions about this it? This is normal for a psychopath, what you're telling oh, me. Oh, so yeah. So why are you on trial? I am on trial because I swung at Don Bulldog. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm just cut kidding. That. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> kidding. I never did that, actually. But uh, no, I'm, I actually, um, I was uh, trespassed from uh, St. Anselm College. This was during a, a debate that WMUR was uh, ho- uh, hosting, or they're the ones uh, yeah, hosting the debate. They're putting it on, yeah. And yeah, putting it on, and St. Anselm was the host, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't let my friend Jeremy Kaufman in. And so I had And some he was re- running for the same uh, position, but he was Correct. a libertarian. And so. WMUR changed the qualifier rules for the debate so that way you couldn't have him in, even and, though he was let's a viable candidate. WMUR is just one of these garbage puppet media, uh, you know, um, regurgitators of, you know, Spinsters. Operation Paperclip, whatever, oh, you yeah. know, stuff. They, um, Absolutely. They're so bad. They interviewed me right after Ian's thing. They just clipped some one part that made it sound like I was saying something kind of silly, and, and they introduced me as Ian's new wife. He's never had a wife before. They're just trying to make me <laughs> yeah, look they're, like young. They're a garbage media outlet that's yeah. you know government sponsored. So well, they they reported on um, a few day like a day after I went to go file um, charges against Don Bulldog for assault, uh, throwing an elbow in my chest. And uh, the W, uh, dumb you, uh, uh, you are, uh, they were there and uh, they um, they promised me while I was being interviewed, or like when the camera's off, they promised me that they were going to show the clip of Don Bulldog, Bulldog throwing an elbow in my chest. Well, you know what they did? They played the clip up to the point where the elbow goes into my chest. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they lied to me. So you're did not you, going to be able to have it. Did you it? subpoena that that video? Well, no, I have I look, WMR wasn't recording. Actually, the the video that recorded was our friend Penguin. Okay. Um and um he was also there in court today, but I am going to be showing that footage if necessary. Actually, it seems uh, to tell you the trial is looking pretty good. I don't want to uh, put too much confidence out there because um I, I really feel like the judge is getting a little frustrated with me a little bit. No, they but, wouldn't do that. But she's only frustrated because I don't understand the full process, right? I'm pro se. I'm not a lawyer. Hmm. And it's That's like, annoying. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, the prosecutor probably objected like, I don't know, a dozen times. And like, I think uh, I won most of them. But we should that? take a break because I have somebody here, um, unscreen caller. What's on your mind? Well, I was just thinking, you know, when somebody uh, tells the audience that their opponent doesn't know what they're talking about, uh, you know, the uh, cop has a right to frisk you for weapons, for example, uh, when they have to conduct a, a investigatory stop. Uh, like, let's say you're breaking into a parked car. It's called car. a Terry frisk. Yeah, you have... You're, you're breaking into a parked car, but you have every right to break into your own parked car. So the cop is simply checking out, is that your car that you're breaking into, mm-hmm. that they supposedly have a right to frisk you for weapons. And they have this thing called Terry versus Ohio. The worst thing ever uh, that cops it, use. But then you simply say, uh, well, opponent, please explain why you agree with that ruling. And they're stunned. They'll be stunned at the very idea that they have a choice about whether to agree with something that is uh, vomited forth by the United States Supreme Court. Of course, the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms 
uh, is there so that people can resist the coercive uh, acts of government and fight back when necessary. So uh, the idea that the cop supposedly has a right to disarm you, well, then what do you do if the cop tries to arrest you pursuant to an unjust law? Actually, um, can you explain, one of you guys explain what the Terry rule is? I wondered that not too long ago. It was being talked about on the air. And Well, the, the Terry versus Ohio uh, law comes from supposedly, like they were saying that these guys were casing a joint and uh, I think it was back in the 60s. They were casing a joint and the cop used an excuse that, all right, this guy's just standing here for no reason. I want to I want at least pat him down make sure he doesn't have any weapons. And, um, you know, the the guy that he ended up patting down, a, a black gentleman, um, uh, basically lost in court and... Uh, they were able to use the ruling that yes, cops are allowed to pat you down for weapons because officer safety, and well, they don't even have to have a reason. No at suspicion. At all time, anytime, they, or just so, like on the road. A lot of times you hear about jump out boys in cities, and they're actually the jump out boys are just undercover vehicles that roll around, and then all of a sudden they stop and they jump out and they they like we're patting you down, we're checking you, you know. Oh my God. Uh, stop and frisk. Stop and frisk. Yeah. Ew. Um, and that comes from the Terry versus Ohio uh, Terry Freaking, Frisk. Uh, sexual assaulters. But I, what what's really bad about thank Terry, you for the call by the way, Tom. Terry versus Ohio is that uh, it it leads it bridges all these other laws uh, for you know uh, suspicious activity to you know we get to search your vehicle. This all stems from Terry versus Ohio, the worst thing. And actually, I'm glad you brought this up. I, I'm sorry, Tom, we let you go so early, but. No offense, Bonnie, but uh, I think the reason why he was mentioning this because he might be a Delete Laws subscriber. And if you really want to know a lot about Terry vs. Ohio, uh, get over to Delete Laws on YouTube. More coming up and more about Joe's trial that we want to get into. 603-283-6160. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Um, ask any questions. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. control 603-283-6160 is the number for you to call 603-283-6160 um to get in on the the conversation with us bring up whatever's on your mind it doesn't matter because it's free talk live and with you in the studio tonight it's me bonnie joa and jay and before we get into more of joa's trial that he's recapping for us jay you had an announcement you wanted to make so, yes, I am uh, going to be presenting this year at Anarchapulco X, the 10th anniversary of Anarchapulco. Cool. Um, Anarchapulco is a freedom fex, uh, festival uh, in conference, actually, in Acapulco, Mexico. And there's going to be, you know, all kinds of people there talking about all kinds of freedom stuff, anarchist stuff. Uh, it's uh, an incredible adventure where you'll literally rub elbows with your personal he- heroes. Just take a look at this speaker's lineup, the 2024 uh, Anarchapoco X Reborn Freedom is Rising will be held at the beautiful and ever expanding Jardin Secreto 
over the la- uh, over the last few years. So check out anarchapoco.com for what's going on there. And if you go to anarchapoco.com slash tickets and use coupon code J, you'll get a 10% discount. And uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good time. They have a good lineup there. Uh, check it out. And also, uh, Anarchapoco or Acapoco got hammered by a hurricane. Like Category a, five. Bad, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's like a media blackout on it, or the media just rather talk about Israel and Maine. Hmm. Um, Pretty and, much, I would say. So that's probably why we haven't. Yeah. Makes so sense. so there's uh, Dollar Vigilante um, dot TV, which is like Jeff Berwick's channel. He just put a thing out there. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, talking all about this, and uh, there is a um, there's bad stuffs happening there at the moment. Uh, the the website is Hurricane um, Otis Recovery dot com, and that's from uh, essentially uh, Jeff Berwick. Uh, if you guys want to, you know, help out uh, with the uh, they're taking donations or to help people in Acapulco, but hopefully they they'll have everything straightened out in February. What's it? Uh, February eighth through through 18th or so no february 10th through 18th i believe is when the um anarchapoco is but i hope to see you there well um before we get back into joa's trial i actually oh so so it's anarchapoco.com forward slash tickets and for a 10 percent coupon code use code j j a y yes and but before we get back into um joa's trial i wanted to go to the phones we have an unscreened caller what's on your mind caller what's your name Hey, I was driving uh, in New Hampshire uh, Sunday about 3 a.m., and a state trooper followed me for about 10 miles tailgating me right Mm -hmm. behind me. And I want to know, can I, like, FOIA for the name of the officer, any radio calls he made? I ended up not getting pulled over. But if there's like a state trooper that has it out for me, like I want to know about it. You know what so I mean? I can explain that to you. So the FOIA here is called uh, a right to know uh, request, which is RSA 91A. Mm-hmm. Now, I like better quoting the actual constitution of uh, New Hampshire for these requests, not their statute, uh, which is basically there's a, if you read the New Hampshire Bill of Rights, it talks about open government and, uh, Transparent government. Mm-hmm. I forget what clause it is. I think it's eight, right? So, <clears throat> so, eight, so what yeah. you would do yes. is if you have a date and time and a road that you were on and a direction you were traveling, I would include that in, in, in with the um, right to know request. And I would send it to whatever barracks there is. And I would do it certified mail or I would do it, you know, well, in hand. Well, you mentioned the things that that can identify who's following them. But you need to ask specifically something to the effect of, yep. um, I'd like to know all the plates that he ran or something like that. You call guys, logs. Yeah, call logs, communications, text messages, um, and, you know, call us a dispatch. That's Those are the things you request. But And, and also, if uh, you, you can even, if so if you, you really want to, you know, narrow it down, whatever plate number was on the car, be like, hey, did you run this plate? Uh, you could you you could do that also. Now, just curious, uh, what state plate was on the car? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay, so a lot of people. I who, think maybe he wanted to read all my bumper stickers. Oh, that's that nice. That, maybe that, he's getting smarter. That can sort of make you a lightning lightning rod, uh, you know, for these guys' attention. But uh, the people who run um, Montana plates often get followed. Yep. I hear this all the time, and then the cops usually turn around or they you know pull off somewhere. 
but um, it's been said uh, um, uh, I ha- uh, a Gra- Gra- Grafton uh, police and actually an, an, uh, Meredith police. I don't know. So the Meredith police told uh, said that they don't like giving tickets to people with Montana plates because they always have to go to court. <laughs> and then another nice. friend of mine, he was in <laughs> Grafton, true. and a cop told him the same thing that oh, if I if I write if I, if I write a ticket to someone with a Montana plate. I know I'm going to court. <laughs> I feel so safe driving in my Montana plate cars with all my free talk live, cop block, peace bumper stickers, porcupines. I've never been pulled over in New Hampshire, and I don't even really get followed by cops. I, I think that they don't want to deal with me because yeah, of that. I would say so. They see a porcupine sticker on your car in New Hampshire, they're less likely to pull you over. They just know it won't be an easy, quick stop. Because they, yeah, they know it's to... going to be challenged at least on the yep. scene or in court later on. Uh, unless it's a on cop camera. who has a hard on for it, which you know you're going to come across those once in a while. Yeah. But usually they get so straightened that's why out pretty he was quick. Following me for so long, right? That he was trying to. Scary. He was like he really wanted to pull me over, but he was like, ah, no. <laughs> he, oh, well, I'm waiting for him to give me a real good reason. <laughs> Does that oh, kind of answer? Another... Your... Oh, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wrote all that down. I really appreciate it. I've got another question. Do you mind going through the basics of, like, the common sense stuff that the state has to do that you can get, like, a uninspected ticket um, thrown away or, like, any traffic ticket, just, like, the, the real simple stuff? If um, they mess this up, dismiss. One of the things that Mark Stevens talks about in his books... Um, Adventures uh, in Legal Land. yeah. He'll, he'll say, maybe he doesn't explain that exactly in that book, but that's a great book to read about this, is to get them to answer a bunch of simple questions they'd have to answer if they were there, like, what color was the car? What kind of car was it? And if they can't even answer, if they can't answer those things without looking at notes or anything, you could get them thrown out for, um, maybe it's not incompetency, but for not, um, they can't be a good witness if they don't know what color the car was that was there. Uh, do you guys have any other ones like that? Um, I mean, yeah, these are, those are kind of technical. So, yeah, if they misspell your name, misspell your address, all these different little things, you could get them on the technicality and get it thrown out. However, they won't make us. They won't make the mistake the second time, or they purposely made the mistake so that you they hope you catch it because they realize they didn't really want to. No, do I it. mean on the stand, like you get them in there and you say, okay, so um, what color was my car? Oh, that I day see. you pulled me over. If they don't know, then they can't really be a um, competent witness. That's, I mean, a, that's a Mark Stephen thing. I'm not saying I right, haven't right. done As it. As a position of a judge, I'd just be like, nah, I don't care. Uh, what, what I really recommend people study, um, and Mark Stevens has a pretty good layout for it, is um, impeaching the witness. So one of, oh, the things, on one, of the, one of the things that you can do with a, a cop when he's on the stand is you can ask the cop, what evidence do you rely on that... Um, the New Hampshire Code, for example, RSA, it's because they're not enforcing law. They're enforcing statutory code. That, that What evidence do you have that the New Hampshire Code applies to anyone quite simply because they are standing on the land that we call New Hampshire? Now, I like to say standing on the land we call New Hampshire because I don't like to say somebody in New Hampshire because the term in is defined in a statutory construction manual as within and New Hampshire is also defined as a corporation. So you can, if you are within the corporate uh, jurisdiction or the corporate corp, corp body politic or the corporation of New Hampshire, that's totally different than standing on land. So what evidence do you have that the code you're enforcing applies to me simply because I'm standing on a land we call New Hampshire? And what's going to happen is the prosecutor is going to object. Yep. And the judge is probably going to, 
accept the prosecutor's objection and say you can't ask that question. And then you have to object. Oh, and they're going to say, actually, you can't ask to cop that question. Um, I, I forget the exact language they're going to they use. They told me that um, Jane, the parking inspector, wasn't qualified to answer right. that question, so move on. So, so right there, you've essentially impeached the witness. Uh, so, uh, but get into Mark Stevens stuff about impeaching the witness. There's a lot of great videos on YouTube about that and practice this role play it. Even if you make a phone call with somebody, but if you can get together with some people and, uh, do some uh, role playing, practice, somebody's a prosecutor, somebody's a judge, you know, um, and the, the thing, even if you just do it with yourself in a mirror, you know, it, it really helps. Uh, and Anyways, but yeah, what evidence do they have that their code applies to you is very, very important and let them present that evidence because that sets it up for an appeal issue because, and you have to object to, to the judge not, not um, uh, allowing the witness to answer the question because this witness is out there enforcing these codes. Right. And so he needs to have evidence that he has a that that these apply to people, and they're just the evidence does not exist. And another really good right to know request would be a right to know request to the attorney general for the county or the state of New Hampshire or whatever county you want, or even city, asking them for the evidence they rely on. That simply because you're standing on the soil, they call New Hampshire that. Their RSA revised statutes at statutes at annotated apply to you, and they'll probably just deny it and say that 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 document doesn't exist. You know what document do you rely on for evidence? Because yes, the other thing you could ask them for documents or something on paper, or like a roll call log is, is you know would be a document. So uh, I I think that's a real good good way to set it up. Now we were I had a uh, my wife had a court trial here uh, in a statutory court, you know the lower court, a uh, couple you know this summer. And I was her um, asking the cop questions, and I asked the cop that question. What evidence do you have that these codes apply simply because I'm standing on the land called New Hampshire? And the judge, the prosecu- the judge uh, let the cop answer the question because the prosecutor asked, uh, just bef- a couple questions before, the prosecutor asked, um, if somebody's in New Hampshire, does the law apply to them? Is what the prosecutor asked the cop. And the cop said yes. So I was able to take and say, well, what evidence do you have of that? And he said he had no evidence. That was his answer. If you go on YouTube hmm. uh, or you go on uh, Free Keen Odyssey, actually, uh, Jay, uh, the noons go to court or Shallon and Jay. I don't remember the exact or tag. Or go to Joe, Joe, Joe's channel. But anyways, on <laughs> yeah, that Odyssey at that where uh, my wife's uh, trial right at the two hour mark, right about there. Uh, into the video, you can see where I asked a cop what evidence he, you know he relies on that the code applies, and he said he doesn't have it. There is none. It's it, crazy. It, you know what's interesting today in court is uh, the judge brought it up several times. It, she was like, "Are you impeaching the witness?" That's weird. Um, she mentioned so- that was the first time I ever heard that, and then you mentioned it was interesting, and I said. No, not yet. I haven't gotten there yet. That's so weird. <laughs> so did, um, did you make an attempt to impeach the witness? Uh, yes, I, I tried. And I, I did that by uh, providing um, a printout of what disorderly con... Uh, sorry, uh, tres- the criminal trespass uh, law. Yep. Well, and before I said we get to more him, into the trial, I, I think we should ask the caller oh, okay, if, if, this, if that was all you wanted to ask us. Yeah, that was that was very informative. I do have some follow-up questions. I don't want to monopolize the time, but I, let me just ask, 
Jay, did you consider just immediately filing a motion to uh, dismiss? Like, why wouldn't you just say motion to dismiss, no evidence that the law, the RSA applies was presented? Um, So in the court, uh, I should have done. uh, So we did a motion to dismiss previous to this, you know, to the court trial. Mm -hmm. And um, and, you know, they just denied it because that's what they do. But you have to do the motion to dismiss anyways to preserve these things for appeal Mm -hmm. because you just have to be willing to take it to appeal. It's the bottom line. And the so. I, what I should have done at that exact time was uh, move the court to to uh, uh, strike the witness and dismiss the charge as uh, they stated that there was uh, no evidence that their code applied. But actually, the judge still found my wife guilty of child endangerment. And, and, and a whole other thing about this is the cop on the stand said that the child was not in danger. Never in danger. Never yep. in danger is what he said. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It, this was that she let my uh, uh, our daughter... At the time, two-year-old daughter take a nap in the car for about 20 minutes while she ran into a store. And some busybody who happens to be a career parasite that works in the in the county prosecutor's office uh, saw the Health Freedom New Hampshire sticker on my wife's car and the other Freedom stickers. And you know, uh, on the prob- day of a huge Health Freedom rally, uh, I don't know if it was a health. It, it was. I w- I was there that day, and um, March it was- 18th was a, heart- a health freedom rally. Yeah, in front of Concord, so tons okay. of people had to know about this. Oh, there's a bunch of you know crazy freedom people yep. in front of Concord saying that uh, they don't want to take vaccines, and and then she happens to see one of their cars, you know, and then she's like hits the jackpot, and she works for the prosecutor prosecutor's office yeah there's a conflict a serious conflict of interest they all collect their pay the judge the prosecutor and their first witness collect their pay from the same entity they uh they all pay into the same pension fund they'll all collect from the same pension fund and i'm trying to find out if somebody could 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 uh, verify this me one thing i'm trying to find out is this um child endangerment i forget the exact charge rsa I'll, i'll have to look it up here um, I had read in one newspaper article that there is federal grant money uh, for each time that this child endangerment thing is um, in, enforced and there's a conviction. Just like that, stupid kids in schools, they get more uh, money. And and so what they do is they either give the police departments or the judicial pension fund or, or, or the court or the county or somebody gets some kind of federal dollars for each time that they use this particular thing. And one thing I can tell you about the federal dollars that DCYF gets, for example... Um, and the uh, a lot of that goes directly t- to their pension fund. In mm-hmm. fact, the first thing that is that that taxpayers fund is pensions, and then secondary comes infrastructure. And also another thing that we know about is when judges in family court award child support, uh, the judicial pension fund in every state, from what I understand, it, um, and I haven't verified this for New Hampshire yet, but this is a federal thing. The feds give sixty six percent of whatever the child support award goes into, and I believe it's every month, not just a one-time, goes into the judicial pension fund. Maybe it's just a one-time shot. I'm not sure. But uh, if anybody had any information on how that worked um, and could email me, j at jnoon.com. That's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. Well, thank you so much for the call, um, anonymous caller. I kind of forgot to ask his name. Um, <laughs> Oops. Yep, oops. We we also have another um, on the line here. Unscreened caller, what's on your mind? Oh, I, this is Star Child, and I, I'm not trying to call in again. I, I oh, you're trying to listen. Break right now. I, ju- I just wanted to, to 
say that I, I was, uh, in terms of joining the organization, uh, it's not for individuals. It's for startup countries or groups that are trying to become independent. So I was right, oh, I right. see, I see. For New Hampshire to join. Oh, that uh, makes no sense. That's a good idea, not, not maybe. Not individuals, but, the, you know, the Free State Project or the, the New Hampshire uh, Independence Alliance or whatever the group is that's that's actually a pretty interesting idea. Um, yeah. So there is a big group of people who in New Hampshire are um, advocating for independence. So I could possibly pass that information on to some of those people and they could see if they're interested in that. Thanks for that um, clarification and also um, suggestion. That could be a pretty valuable thing if they're part of some kind of an alliance. Um, so, Joa. Yes. I just want to get back into what we were talking about with your trial today on trial because Don Bolduck attacked you and then said, he hit me. He hit me. He hit me. That's how he said it too. Like, uh, I I remember so, so well, he was like, he hit me. And he's like smiling because it's so (laughs) funny. And then after he said he hit me, he goes, three times. You he's the one that started that. Oh yeah. That's so weird. He started that chant. (laughs) That is so freaking weird. Like what? does that have to do with anything no he's just trying to drown out the the sorry the uh the belligerent uh loud outspoken uh disruptive these are all the words um i'm pretty sure these are all the words the uh the head of security said today and he was embarrassed he was embarrassed for me the college the police the supporters (laughs) do you need him to be embarrassed for you joa yeah no yeah i actually really appreciated him being embarrassed for me because i wasn't (laughs) So, go back into this um, idea of the judge asking you, are you trying to impeach the witness? That seems kind of annoying. It's like, why are you trying to, even if that was what you were trying to do, um, why does she, she wouldn't do that to the lawyer, would she? Are you trying to do this? Oh, no, I'm pro se, and I I was, look, I'm not, I'm not playing dumb. I just like... As you're you're in the motions of court, you kind of think you're doing the right thing, and then all of a sudden they check in like, yeah, you, you yeah, no, we can't do that. Da, 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 da. I'm, and like, well, they like to mess with you because you're not but one the, of the bar people, right? And the judge was very, very chill. Like she was just letting a bunch of uh, things that I was saying slide, and the prosecution is like. Uh, how many times can we let this uh, these leeways go and like you know these things slide and like he just kept on getting up and he's like so monotone, like it's, it's psychotic in a way too. Like yeah. how how mon- how much of a drone he is? Yeah, exactly a drone. And uh, but I, I think he has a little bit more going on there because he definitely has psychotic ways at the at the end there getting tr- trying to get physical. Shoulder checking people. Yeah, well, he tried to walk through me. He uh, threatened to dox me. Like literally, as soon as the judge stepped out of the courtroom, he started like pulling this junk, and uh, you know hit my friend with the laptop just to you know hit him as he's going by. Like not hit him, but like you know just. You could have avoided your laptop from touching my friend. Like yeah. you, you purposely pushed into him, and it's it's just ridiculous. Um, but uh, what, what was I gonna? Oh, for the impeachment part, I actually had printed out uh, the sort of uh, what's it called the uh, criminal trespass law, and I I made it nice and bold and big and printed it out. And I, when he was on the, the the cop was on the stand, I was like. Could you please circle the areas of which I violated the law in this, you know, trespassing law? Mm-hmm. And he just circles a couple things, uh, like knowing, imp- like, um, I forget the other things he circled right off the top of my head. 
I didn't. It was actually this paper became evidence, but the the prosecution objected, and it's like, well, we're trying to get legal determinations out of the witness, and I'm like, he already answered. Hmm. He already answered on this thing, and the judge uh, marked it as evidence, and you know what? It's evidence now, and he made legal determinations on the stand. Yeah, it's a little. Uh, you would think that they, because every time I tried to ask, I mean, I've only been to uh, one. I've only been. In, on trial once and did okay one trial on trial once in new hampshire and was doing it um from a perspective of trying to win and being pro se and um every time i try to ask question like like how does the law apply to me blah 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 yeah um they just kept saying objection she's trying to make the meter maid come to a legal conclusion Right, and so you would think that he would have just objected right away to what you're saying and got it, uh, the judge to you know, yeah, get it, you to stop asking. So well, it seems like she was a little lazy. Yeah, it was just uh, interesting that I get to repeat certain words I can't say on the air. I'll just say you f Jew hater. Well, okay, I said it over and over again because these are the quotes that they put in of my disorderly conduct, and I asked them. More, more coming up. Free Talk Live. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number you can call to get in on the last segment of Free Talk Live with us tonight. Come on, call in. 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Joa. And Jay. And we were talking in the last couple of segments about um, Joa's trial he, that just started today. Um, he's on trial because Don Bolduck assaulted him and said that he assaulted Don Bolduck. Yes, I didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> but first, we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. David in New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Who's Don Bulldog? He is. Um, he ran for Senate in New Hampshire. He was the youngest uh, police officer in New Hampshire history. Oh, my God. And, uh, and a one-star general in the Army. And the Eagle Scout. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I made man. that one up. I'm going to have to... I doubt he was an Eagle Scout. <laughs> Actually, maybe those guys are kind of neurotic. Um, I got a I got a bunch of things I could say, but um, it, you talked about um, what is it uh, the uh, LSD thing? The what program? MK was Ultra. That? Yeah, MK MK Ultra. Um, but first of all, I just want to interject, uh, uh, Jay. Child trafficking. I appreciate everything you do to plug child trafficking, and I just want to say that. People got annoyed with me for plugging it for 15 years. And uh, who's the German uh, pastor, Martin Niemöller? First they came for David, and nobody cared because they weren't David. Then they came for Jay. So it might not have happened. There would have been 15 years of buildup to stopping these people, head start, um, before they got to you, but uh, nobody cared. So uh, MK Ultra, let me open the window that I had open Um and this is kind of interesting in case anybody is interested in studying this kind of stuff. Um, I had a relative. Uh, he's he's passed. First of all, 
uh, I'm not I'm not uh, invading anybody's privacy because this guy is dead. He had no children. He had no wife at the time of his death. Because he, it's his, fair game, his, right? Yeah, his family members <laughs> are, are his family members are all his family members. His generation and older are all deceased. It's only descendants that are living, and and he has no descendants himself. And um, and uh, it's interesting reading because this is a law justia. Uh, you know, that site, Justia, J-U-S-T-I-A dot com cases slash or slash cases slash cases slash federal slash whatever else. But you can find it by uh, Googling his name, Kenneth uh, uh, Schloman, S-C-H-L-O-M-A-N-N, double N at the end, middle initial H, because there is a, another Kenneth Schloman that has some prominence on Google, for instance. But what uh, uh, what happened to this guy? Um, this, this was in the early sixties and this guy was in the military. He was in the Marines. He was stationed in, uh, Alaska. He was in an artillery unit and, uh, he had no previous history of any misbehavior whatsoever. He's in his twenties. I believe he was married and, um, uh, and the only, the only thing, negative thing against him is that. On the day of this incident, which I'll tell you about, which is which is kind of interesting, um, he was at a I don't know an Applebee's or something watching a foot, watching sports in the afternoon on a day off on a weekend I believe, and mm-hmm. he had had like the, the witnesses claim he had like a dozen beers over like four hours, but I know all kinds of dudes that drink a dozen uh, beers over four hours and don't do anything like I'm going to tell you. Right. Um, so he's watching a football game, drinking beers, and obviously you got to go pee, and, and I've had. Uh, a personal conversation with him before he passed away as to what he thinks happened. Um, he thinks that while he was away using the restroom, you know, back in the day, uh, we men, we didn't uh, protect our drinks, so we didn't get roofied or whatever. And he thinks that somebody uh, put something in his drink. And what happened was he was at the restaurant having these beers, and he and uh, and they actually they did 86 him from the restaurant, you know, apparently, you know, because of his dozen beers or whatever. But he But he went home. And and uh, and he he doesn't have much. He admits to all of this, but he doesn't have much memory of what went of what uh, transpired, other than that what he was told. And he doesn't disagree with any of it. But he but he ended up going home, putting on his dress blues, and taking his uh, military issued rifle, and he ended up killing two civilians. Um, and then it took uh, five uh, police officers. To restrain him, five, five on one dude. Wow! And th- that was back in the day of of NK Ultra, and I suspect, you know, it might have been just uh, somebody playing a prank on him, or it might have been, you know, because it, it it checks a lot of the boxes that that MK Ultra stuff does. If you want somebody to get out a gun, you know, on some sort of a, you know, prompt, command, uh, trigger, whatever. Uh, During a sports game, maybe. People. Sorry, that just Pardon? I just thought of that. Maybe they wanted to put the trigger word in during the sports broadcast. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm just giving the evidence that. Oh, but what is what is interesting? Let me let me uh, double down on the fact that you can read because Ken, what he did is they held him at Leavenworth for 28 years, hmm. and at one point he filed an appeal um, against the warden of the prison uh, in Kansas. Uh, for uh, release uh, because it was a habeas corpus, I, I believe, and so he wanted them to supply the reason why they were continuing to hold him. But it's interesting reading, and, and it's not all that long. It's uh, You can read it in, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of legal reading, and it's kind of interesting. 
So, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's what I know. And it, and it fits into the, it, like I said, checks boxes, it fits into that, that era. And it fits into that, that MO, you know, of, of possibly being drugged with LSD or something else. And the only question in my mind is, you know, was it a prank? Was it a civilian that put it in there as a prank? Or was this part of a, you know, possibly part of the MK Ultra uh, thing? Well, if it, if it was like an MK Ultra, they definitely got him in a, uh, at a point where he was in a vul- vulnerable state. And they definitely picked a prime candidate, someone who doesn't have any family members, no spouse, hmm. no kids. Well, he had, a spouse, he had a spouse at the time. He oh, you said he was married, right? There's right. no kids, yeah. But that that seems like a prime uh, sort of target He's for in them. The military, if, yeah. if that was a thing, I mean, I don't know. I know. I, I tell you what, I got roofied once. Whoa. I was at a Dave and Buster's. I'm not even joking. And I put my drink down. I did a 360, and I picked up my same drink. And then right after I took my next sip, I was blacking out. My friends uh, said that they had to help me uh, out of the place, and you know I trusted my friend. You know, so I know I didn't do anything stupid, but. Dang, it's easy to roofie someone. I was out. I was out of it. Absolutely out of it. I had a guy. At, I was at a college party uh, with my. Um, I was basically with my sister, and uh, this was nine two thousand. This is two thousand. I was at this college party, and this kid comes up to me, and he was like, "Hey, dude, you you want to get with her?" And I'm standing next to my sister. And oh I'm my like, god! And uh, he's and she's actually not my sister by blood, but. Um, and she she's uh and I'm like, maybe. And he's I'm like, What you got, man? And he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I got I got some stuff. He's like, Come over here. So he starts telling about these roofies and wow. um and how to use them and how they work. Uh so I was like, Yeah, let's go outside and do this. As soon as we walked outside, I beat this dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> go get my sister. Her and a bunch of her field hockey friends just start kicking the crap out of this kid as he's out on the ground. They took all of his money. They basically strapped him uh, naked. He but he had like bottles of roofies. Whoa. And um I I pr- pretty sure he ended up getting carted to the hospital. He, he had to the way these girls were just beating him and kicking him was was ridiculous. But he was like literally like, "Hey dude, you can get her pants." This is how you do it. She won't disgusting. resist at all. Oh my god, and, that's so uh, disgusting. Yep, and he was. Uh, I was like, okay, buddy. Yeah, let's go outside. So it was a wow. little, little vigilante justice there. You know, that I, went, is crazy. I went to a house party here in Keene because we went. I uh, heard a call at Press NH now, and I, and um, apparently that there was a, an assault earlier that night, and that's almost exactly what you described. <laughs> they kicked the rapists out of their house, yep. and like they kind of roughed them up a little bit, and the police were called. For an assault, but you know that that all settled that. Anyways, it was just interesting. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's crazy. It's it's crazy what people are capable of doing to other people, and just what these drugs can do. And something just gets slipped in your drink. I'm so glad nothing like that has ever happened to me. But it, it could be something as simple as that, David. That happened with your um family member. Um, but it just seems weird. Like, why would some man just want to roofie some other man at the bar watching sports? Take his money. Mm, that's a good point. See the thing yeah. with like um with the most most of the time for MK Ultra, they use LSD. In mm-hmm. LSD, you can pretty much convince someone that's under to do anything you want them to do. Right. My friends, um I never did LSD because I was always afraid to do it because at a very young age like middle school, two of my very close friends did it and I always heard this story. I wasn't there around them when it happened, but they did it and then one of them 
went and was threatening the other with a knife and like they're both on LSD and it was like a really scary situation for them. And ever since I heard that, I was like, yeah, I never want to do that. And so I do many not other recommend people, it, my opinion. So many other people will tell me, oh my gosh, that's that kid must have had something already wrong with him, like which could be, be true. true. But, yeah. but it's just like, I don't know. It seems like I don't, it, a drug I want to stay away from, to be honest. Good thinking. Anything else, David? No, no, that's it. But uh, it'd be interesting if anybody reads this appeal, if uh, they have any thoughts about it. Um, can you uh, state the name of the appeal so somebody can look into it again, just so uh, write it down? Yeah, the, the, I'll give you the title of the appeal, but I found it as simply as uh, Googling Kenneth Schloman, S-C-H-L-O-M-A-N-N, uh, middle initial happens to be H, uh, but the, the title of the uh, appeal is Kenneth H. Schloman, Petitioner Appellant, Versus R.I. Mosley, Warden, United States Penitentiary, Leavenworth, Kansas, Respondent, Appellee. And I won't bother with the numbers, 457, et cetera, because nobody can follow that anyway. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, somebody might be interested in that. Uh, thank you for the call, David. Um, yeah, did, you, did you have more to say about your trial that happened today, Joa, that's still being um, – it's still in the process, not over yet? Well, the – it's going to be continued, Sarah. but uh, the um, the judge is wondering, how much more time do you think you're going to need, uh, Joe? Uh, it's like as much as you want. I mean, I know. as much as you need. I, like, I can't stand that. I responded with... Like, you're wasting much- her time. Exactly. And I said, as much as it takes to have a fair trial. Nice. That's what I said to her. <laughs> and uh, But also... Um, uh, then she kind of like asked me like a couple more times how much time, and I was like, I don't know. I got four hours of four more hours of video footage. I don't know, maybe a month. But <laughs> 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 she didn't like that. She, I think she honestly, I think she wanted me to finish it right there and then. That wow. way she could have dismissed everything. I don't think she wants us to carry on. I think I made a fool of the prosecutor, and uh, oh god, in what kind of Should ways? I dox him? Because <laughs> he threatened to dox me today. Eh. What explain what ways? doxing is. So how, how oh, can yeah. you hurt me by doxing me? Well, it's. I don't think it's particularly illegal, but I think it's wrong. And I think it's misconduct for a prosecutor right. to threaten that. But uh, so Jay Noon, what's your middle name? You don't tell me. I'm just saying, this is like about, about doxing. Uh, you know, you live here. Uh, this is where you go to work. This is where you go to sleep. This is where you, you know, go shopping. That's doxing. I'm telling everyone oh, where so to find you. Oh, so doxing is you take all your, all your information and you publish it. That's right. Oh, okay. Yep. And I'm, I'm letting people know how to get you, right? Like how to how to confront this MFR and, uh, you know, good luck in society. That's doxing. It's actually illegal so is in this, some states. Is this guy's uh, bot? Because you're dealing with an assistant DA, not the actual district this attorney. Is a, this is a Goffstown prosecutor okay so he's an assistant da yeah I guess. so is is a guy he uh, he's under a uh, george soros funded prosecutor i mean i don't know probably i mean it's a good question how do you even know that how do you figure that out i hear oh this prosecutor over well, here he's a thug for once <laughs> well most of them are <laughs> it's true it's true i haven't met a prosecutor that wasn't well that's tr- not true i did meet one who was like he was in palmer court and he was like i can't wait to get out of here i can't wait to be done with this He's like, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm not even gonna prosecute your case, and you know, he was just, yeah. but he was one of these guys that I talk with him. I'm like, where's the evidence? Is you know uh, that I'm a person. <laughs> your person's defined as a corporation. Your your code applies to persons. And he's like, okay, I, I just can't wait to be done with this job. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know, yeah, so. I, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, one last thing. One last thing here is that um, the. Uh, 
uh, what was I going to say? The 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 prosecutor. Oh my god, I forgot. I tra- lost my train of thought here. Was it about your shiny badge? No, 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 not that. Did you get to wear the shiny badge? I wore it the today? whole time. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the listeners that don't know what that is, um, there's this little thing that a lot of people here in the New Hampshire community have, which is a shiny badge that you can wear that says "Badges don't grant extra rights." Isn't that what it says? That's right. All right, so I remembered. Uh, the judge sequestered witnesses, right? So that they can't talk to each other or the prosecution or me, right? They can't talk to anyone. Preston H. Now, as soon as, as soon as the, you know, we were dismissed for the day and the judge left the courtroom and the prosecutor did his little harassing stuff and uh, he went into the back room to the conference room all the way down the hall, Press went down there with this camera. Guess what was happening? They were all chatting. The witnesses oh, in the prosecutor. Yeah. Oh yeah, the witness uh, that got sequestered, chit chatting about the case with the prosecutor. Wow, so sounds, that's on camera. Sounds like you need to send an affidavit to your uh, local state representative and have them investigate this case and call a committee. I think um, I think that prosecutor should be terminated. And the only way that's going to happen yeah. is if you guys do that, you got to do an affidavit, you and the, and the witnesses, and hopefully uh, accompany this video with it. Uh, let me tell you why it's not going to matter. Why? Judge is going to be like, uh, the, the judge is going to ask the prosecutor, did you talk to the witness? Oh, not about the case, just about, you know, football or something. And then the, the, the witnesses, the, the officer, Matthew, whatever, uh, he's no longer an officer, he's retired. He's going to um, like testify that did, he didn't. Yeah. Did you talk to the uh, prosecutor about the case? Oh, no, we're talking about football. That's what's going to happen. Okay. And nothing's going to happen. It's so okay. So the- no, another question for these cops is when they're on the stand, are you taught uh, during an investigation it's okay to lie to someone you're investigating to? Ah, I did do this. <laughs> I, I asked uh, and uh, I got objected by the prosecution and I was like, whatever. I just moved on because mm-hmm. the judge wasn't having anything with it either. I was, I asked them, are you allowed to lie? Were you, as a police officer, were you, are you allowed to lie? And then... <laughs> The prosecutor is just like objection, and they're there on their um, authority of as a cop. So if they say that they are allowed to lie as a cop, that's basically just throw them out. They're not a good witness. Mm-hmm. And what, what's fascinating? They're a hostile is, witness. I I don't know if I'm going to challenge this, but I was thinking it. about challenging this. Uh, so the the cop that took the stand, he's retired, so he didn't dress up as as a uniformed cop. Hmm. But the other cop will be uh, potentially uniformed when he takes a stand, and I. Will object if a witness is on the stand with a gun. Hmm. Why is like, that? This is intimidation to the defense. Why is the witness that arrested me? Why is this guy with a gun on the witness stand? Hmm. And I'm disarmed here. This doesn't make any sense. The witness should not be intimidating uh, the defense with this gun on the stand. Is this a bench trial or jury trial? It's a bench trial. So you'll get a uh, appeal it to a jury trial. If if necessary, I don't oh, think nice. it will. Okay, so but this is uh what, uh what the um class what misdemeanor a class B misdemeanor class B so that so that the appeal is a um it is, is an actual jury trial correct yep and uh the other uh the other thing is a violation so disorderly was a violation I don't get how that works how can you get just oh here's a fine here's a fine for being disorderly you know it's all baloney when they're just doing that and they can't say you committed a crime no nope, violation they want to just get you to just plead to just doing the violation so you'll just you know not take it to trial and um you'll you'll think oh it's just gonna be a, vi- a fine this can all be over well it's not a, uh so 
okay, I, I did a violation, let's just say. Uh, but what they did to me has <laughs> violated my rights. Right. <laughs> I'm not giving a violation charge. I'm getting him. I'm giving him a criminal charge for violating my rights, kidnapping me, mm. uh, trying to steal from me, wasting my time, et cetera, assaulting et cetera. You. Assault, assaulting me. Well, that was bold. bold I mean, throwing, putting cuffs together. on someone that didn't commit any violence, right. And just said some words you made out of life because you were offended and embarrassed. Oh well. Welcome to America. That is this assault. This isn't yeah. North Korea, people. It's kidnapping. It's a, it should also be assault, too, because like being in handcuffs is they have to grab you and force you to put your arms a certain way that you don't naturally want to have mm-hmm. them. Um, it, it can sometimes hurt. I don't know if they hurt you with them. I, I was like kind of going off on a, t- uh, um, not a tangent, but I, I was like sitting there dwelling today while I was doing dishes, thinking about um, when the cops uh, um, detained me during the raid on my house, the FBI raid that was on my house in 2021, it was just, I was thinking, it's just so annoying because I was never under arrest, yet I was handcuffed for like over an hour. And um, that's just something that you, ha- you're, you, you Americans out there listening believe only ever happened to people who are suspected of doing a crime. But I kept asking the guy, can I pick up my dog? Can you unhandcuff me and I'll stay right here and just let me pick up my dog? And he kept saying, no, uh, don't worry about the dog, as we said. Oh, well, thanks. Um, he's just running around in the street in, in the darkness where I don't know that a cop's car not, isn't going to hit him. But mm-hmm. And um, I, w- I would ask him, and I, am I being detained? Because he had never said I was. And he thought very carefully, and he was just like, you're being restrained in, until we can find out if anything in the house is going to hurt us. That's is the be- same as being detained. That's the same as being arrested. Right. I mean, it's the same as being freaking handcuffed and not able to freely move That's right. without being um, accused of even doing a crime. That It's not like I was ever accused even of doing a crime and then they dropped it or anything like that. I was never accused of doing a crime and they held me handcuffed for over an hour and then they put my dog in a different car eventually. They like separated us. Like, why can't my dog be in the same car as me? Well, we're going sh- to share information or something. <laughs> we're going to be... A- we're going to crack this coconut. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? I, I just think... Um, I've, I'm pretty sure it was you that said it, Joa. The handcuffs are for... They were originally for slaves. Absolutely. Well, that's no, I mean, police in general were created for runaway slaves. Right. Yeah, the lawyers are the farmers. British American, uh, oh, British Agricultural Revolution is the uh, acronym for Bar Bar mm. Association. The lawyers are farmers, and the people are the cattle, and the lawyers are to keep them in the box. This is why they always want you to operate through a lawyer. This is That's why they right. have all this uh, codes and rules and all this stuff uh, for these courts, these procedures you're supposed to follow. They want you to spend fifteen thousand dollars on a lawyer to defend yourself, or just plead guilty you know to a lesser yeah. charge it is and- kind of funny how they treat you like you're not an, a 100% human so you need someone else who's part of their club to oh, represent yeah. you right. they're not part of the bar barely human <laughs> it, well and it, well and the thing is is it's because uh everybody's essentially presumed as a minor a slave uh That's property right. of the yep. of the united states and those are uh you know uh presumptions that need to be rebutted and uh, and and there's a lot people can learn about that all over the place. But the the bottom line is is understanding who you are. And when you start signing their papers, asking them for permission, you sort of you know make yourself a slave. You actually yep. make yourself a minor by asking for these driver's licenses and 
you know, getting a social security number and, you know, filing tax forms, all, all this stuff is essentially, I call them jurisdictional traps. I, I look at uh, New Hampshire, it's, it's, it's a different way of uh, escaping slavery, uh, but the Free State Project uh, has definitely provided that sort of avenue for you to become freer in your life. And I, I look at like prosecutors as, um, as like house slaves. Right. Yeah, I, they're yeah. they're definitely not like free. They're definitely not free, and they're definitely not at the top. They're just doing the minion work, and they just you know obeying so they can collect their pension, so Secondary they can hang out and drink mimosas with their buddies. Yeah, uh, there was some rapper uh, Most Deaf, and he says the the, the real civil yeah, war, diff. the real the real civil war isn't between you know white people and black people. It's between. Um, uh, and he doesn't use the word slave. He uses the N-word, but I'll say slave. It's between house slaves and field slaves. Yeah. Or the next civil war, he says, it's going to be between house slaves and field slaves. And that, that's what I told the ta- tax collector in the uh, in, in, in the town hall. I says, you're just a house slave. That's all you are. <laughs> nice. And, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, dang it, I kind of lost it. Go ahead. Sorry. I would just, that's- since you mentioned all that, I really highly encourage everyone to go... Uh, um, Go look up um, Joan, the Jones Plantation oh, by yeah. Larkin Rose. Yeah, uh, it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely a lower budget, but you know it's, it's well scripted, good acting, um, and it really describes how you're a house slave and a field slave. Well, Lark- Larkin Rose was at Porkfest this year. I got to talk to him a little bit. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw him, but I didn't actually get to go talk to him. Um, I was just busy, but I did want to talk to him. But I, I remember what I was going to say. One thing that I've kind of realized this year is there's not really white privilege and, you know, you know, white people have it better than other people. I think the people who have the privilege as far as all of us people who should be on the same playing field, like underling type people, are the compliant citizens. They have privilege. They don't understand what it's like to be attacked by, you know, the media and the government and be, uh, you know, Treated as a second-class citizen just for living your life. Uh, six, I mean, sorry, Free Talk Live. This is going to be the last segment, so I'm not going to give out the number. Go to freetalklive.com. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com